Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hello. How you doing, Marco? Uh, well, as we just discussed, I'm okay. You're okay? Yeah. You know, I was just editing the uh, about the author for Troll Book 2. Are there any updates you want to make to that? I'm sure there isn't. Not at all? Uh, I'd have to re- re-review, but I'm sure it's it's fine. I'll send you mine. I don't know if I've gone too far. So there's some changes because you apparently were having some existential questions about who even are you? Well, especially in the uh, in the lockdown or whatever, it's like, well, what do I do? I, I wake up, I ride an extra cycle, I either go to work or if I'm not at work, I'll watch some TV episodes for podcasts and do some writing and just hang out around the house. It's like it, it doesn't That's seem a like there's a whole right lot there. of... Uh, entertaining uh, exciting things to describe my life these days that's a bio right there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe work on a puzzle and listen to some podcasts not super exciting i wake up i crush it mm-hmm. eventually i go to bed <laughs> huh okay i mean it could just be like uh like uh james taylor colon ipsum lorem <laughs> Well, in the um, in the previous one, it said something about I uh, like spending my time in cafes and multiplexes. Well, it's like not anymore. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. It's a big no on that one. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, you just need to work in something just like, I'm just out there living. And then it's like six months later, you're dead from COVID. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like you don't want to whistle past the graveyard or shit like that. Right. I'm just spinning around in a field while the camera rises up above me in a crescendoing chorus. Huh. Anyway. Let's well, I like I like the the I'll send it to you to let me know if I've gone too far. I like mm-hmm. that that's where we're at. I mean, how do you know if you've gone too far these days? Um well if you're not in over your head, you don't know how tall mm-hmm. you are. Right. I guess if your gender reveal party uh, starts a massive <laughs> wildfire that blankets the entire Western continent with smoke, maybe then you've gone too far. Uh, I was just picturing like uh, <laughs> like the uh, the end of uh, like Avengers: Infinity War, and like Thanos snaps his fingers, and it's like it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people are like, "Oh, we should calm down with these gender reveal parties," but this being twenty twenty, I think we just need to brace for the worst. Like, how much dumber can it get? what if this is how we just picked a president is there some way where you could have maybe not a human but uh some some sort of animal that's there's both a male and a female version and like you shoot the one that's the <laughs> i guess the wrong one so that you're left with the right gender Wait, i don't know yeah that's a good question mm-hmm. huh. <laughs> so what are you uh, watching <laughs> watching people shoot these animals mm-hmm. oh shit hit the wrong one Thanks. wait so does that mean it's a boy or a girl i'm confused oh, yeah. fuck kill them both <laughs> uh, all right uh, guys start over <laughs> get another cow out here <laughs> it's a good thing we got a really good deal from that farmer uh we'll just eat, we'll just feed the dead one to his or friends a, that won't cause any problems we're going to pay a farmer like he we haven't even peaked but he's peaked at the thing and so he's going to implant an explosive device on one of these animals and then we'll just hit the detonator and see what happens oh no you're onto something there you put the kid 
into the animal, then you cut it out. No, that's. Gonna I don't hurt. think that works. <laughs> uh, what have I been watching? Uh, I watched. I'm thinking of ending things, which I was really looking forward to and left ambivalent. Uh, the internet's mixed on that. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, it works much more intellectually than it does in practice. Uh, like uh, Jacob, Jacob Lipton nailed it. It really feels like uh, like the sequel to Mother. Like Mother really stole its fire. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, are you using your mic right now? I am, yeah. Okay, just checking. I believe so. Uh, I have other things I watch, but why mm-hmm. don't you talk Tap about on it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, cool part yeah, you're, you're more the uh, Charlie Kaufman head than I am. I... I the trailer was just like, eh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really looking for uh, deeply intellectual entertainment these days. Or at least, I don't know. So, the other thing I watched was, do you remember Mindhunters, the movie? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I watched that the other day. I, I remember that. hearing that Dave Venture is making a Mindhunters, a TV show, and I was like, oh shit, like that movie? But no, that was something different he was making. That movie is so dumb, and yet I, I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. It's Christian Slater's in that, right? Briefly. Val Kilmer. Johnny Lee Miller. A couple of other assholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, watch three more seasons of Elementary. Wow. So you're, are you done? Like, how many seasons do they make of that show? There's seven. I mean, I'm not Jesus. quite not quite three more. I, like, watch, mm-hmm. like, two and, I don't know, a third. Um, and then I watched the first episode last night of Raised by Wolves. See, I feel like that is in that category of show that I'm just like, God, that seems like homework. Pass. <laughs> it, it was so so slow, like such a slog. Like, like okay, it's like wow, the guy who envisioned this also directed Prometheus. No shit. Um, and then by the end of it, I was like, okay, this is a little bit insane. I, I'm curious, and then I don't know if I'll ever watch it. But yeah. So I'm sorry, what have you been watching in your not-intellectual fair? Uh, so I watched that Chemical Hearts movie. I think it might have oh, been a Netflix Reinhardt? movie. I'm not sure. Lily Reinhardt, yeah. Okay. Um, friend of the pod, Caitlin, was tweeting at me about that. Uh, there were there were a lot of um, newspaper class scenes mm-hmm. that uh, she felt I needed to see, and I did. I, I have a lot of comments there about their newspaper class and the fact that they only put out four issues a year. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty bad movie. Um, the main dude in it is just, just what a charisma suck. I can't believe that that guy was like the lead. He it just the actor and the character were both awful. Hmm. And he was like just incredibly dense. Like the whole audience gets like five minutes in. Like okay, this girl's in a car accident. Her boyfriend died. She blames herself. Got it. And like this dude doesn't figure that out for like an hour into the movie. Hmm. Anyway, is it any more or less realistic as far as high school newspapers go than Riverdale? I don't even remember Riverdale's high school newspaper stuff, and I'm sure the writers don't either. <laughs> P.S. Fuck that guy. Um, what else did I watch? I've I've tried watching The Boys because I'll listen to these podcasts and I'll talk about how great that show is, and then like I make it like 20 minutes into an episode, and I'm just like, and eh, it's I don't know, it's just a little too edge lord for me. I couldn't give a shit about the boys. Yeah. Um, and then you'll you'll be happy to know, for the first time, I watched Rear Window. You've never seen Rear Window before? I had not, no. Are you fucking shitting me? Wow, okay. Yeah. 
I only watched like Vertigo, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. So, wow. Okay. Um, I'm assuming you liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, Grace Kelly movie. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Holy fuck. Right. Uh, the the main guy, like Jeffries or whatever, Uh his whole, like, I just don't know if I want to marry Grace Kelly. Like, are you fucking insane? Like, just throw (laughs) yourself out a window. Well, doesn't he? She's like, oh, oh, darn! She wants me to like quit my like like nature photography job and just like be a fashion photographer, and she'll set me up with like a dozen clients, and all I have to do is marry her incredible, gorgeous, like super caring, wonderful self. Darn, well, that's a one, t- tough choice. I don't really care what you do if like Grace Kelly comes home to you every single night. You're, She's you're doing like, fun. I brought you like a like a butler for rent to make you dinner. And he's just like, <sighs> yeah. Um, especially since like you see the photo that like fucked up his leg. It's like, you're too old. For this shit, yeah. Man. <laughs> Standing out in a racetrack, trying to get photos of cars. passing What the fuck by. are you thinking? <laughs> you're not Tom Cruise. You're not going to run away from that. <laughs> um, Every once in a while when I rewatch that movie, I kind of feel bad for Raymond Burr. And it's just like, hey, leave me the fuck alone. He's <laughs> just trying to kill his wife in peace. Seriously. Uh, but it's a it's a perfect like quarantine rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice, enjoyable movie. And summer movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. People sleeping out on their fire escapes. Fuck that. <laughs> Is that the newlyweds? No, no, that was like the elderly couple like across the way. They were above, I think they're the ones with the dog that dies. They're above uh, Rainbow. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that's about all for it. I watch. You listen to anything lately? Um, I've been listening, when I've had to pretend to be productive, I've been listening to the Tenant Score. Um, I was on a weird like PG Harvey kick again a little while ago. There's a new Doves album, so I was listening a little bit of that. And then last night, um, I put on some Amy Mann after oh, yeah. rewatching an episode of Buffy. Uh, her comment in that episode always takes me out of the show. <laughs> it always does. Uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me as much. Uh, I keep telling myself, I don't know what, I haven't even described the name of this band. Is it Paris, but with a V? Mm. I keep telling myself I'm going to like download their album and listen to it. I just haven't got around to it. Um, mm. I think the only thing I've really been listening to is every night before I go to sleep, I just say, hey, Siri, play Folklore and uh, have that on at a low volume. Okay. This is your new ASMR? Oh, there's still the ASMR, too. Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. same time? Wow. No, not the same time. What if someone just ASMR'd, like, whispered the lyrics to Folklore to you? There's probably that online somewhere. I'm on some new shit. Huh. You reading anything? Uh, what have I read since we last talked? I finally finished the guest list, uh, which I think I was starting or I just started when we talked last. I read a book called The Girls Weekend by Jody Gehrman. I read half of The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukes and then kind of just fell away. And then I just finished uh, The Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Galbraith. It quotes Robert Galbraith. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you, um, I thought. did you see that they're making a Westin game, I guess, TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be cool. Yeah, Maybe it's going to be cool. I could never get into the book. Obviously, that book has uh, many yeah, kind yeah. of uh, concept similarities, I suppose you could say, Wink. to uh, My Name is Trouble. But I don't know. I you, you gave that to me. I think I read like five or six chapters. Maybe it picks up after a while, but it starts really oddly, and it's just kind of dull. But I don't know. Maybe I should get another shot. I mean, it's a kid's book, too. So it's it's written in a certain style. 
Very yeah. simplistic. I guess I feel like it could have gone to it a little quicker. Okay. Yeah. You um, have some notes. Yeah, I do have some notes. What is this book called? The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I'm like three quarters of the way through it. Got farther than I did. I'm just not sure what the point of it is, really. Okay. I guess at the end, he's just... First of all, I, I'm sure you got far enough into it that like you got to his catchphrase. Uh, remind me. It's been a couple of it's, months. Because this is Corey Alanis Snow, President Snow from the Hunger Games books. His catchphrase, like the family motto is, snow falls on top. And every time oh, anything right. good happens to him, he's like, snow falls on top. And it's so fucking stupid. Um, God, I hate so, it. He's like a just a complete weasel of a character. He sucks. He's not interesting at all. So I left off right when they finally started the Hunger Games, I believe. Yeah, so they just um, they just finished them where I'm at, and there's still like a quarter of the book to go. So Jesus, Jesus Christ. So as I was reading it, my hope was that I kept thinking, God, I hope... I don't know. I don't know if this is spoilers for anyone because it's it's about him mentoring a girl to the Hunger Games, and don't spoil me, but I don't because I don't care. But I I kept thinking like God, I hope she's just like playing him. Well, that that's I think the ultimate expectation is that like at the end of the book he's going to discover that she's betrayed him in some way, and maybe that's what leads to like his mouth always like bleeding or something, mm-hmm. and that's like what hardens him up against the districts. I mean, I don't know. It seems like pretty obvious. Maybe something else will happen. Um, I feel like you'd be spitting a lot with your mouth bleeding. Constantly. That was the thing, though, right? Doesn't he have like blood? I want to say it's like time? he the whole, yeah yeah. But the thing was like that's why he kept all the roses around him. Like, yeah, to hide his like blood halitosis. Yeah, bloodatosis. I don't know. I just even like the, the actual Hunger Games in it because it's only the tenth Hunger Games and it's kind of like like technologically speaking, they're probably like not even as advanced as we are now. In most respects, it kind of seems like they've got like the technology of maybe the nineties. Mm. Um, nice. And so, like the Hunger you Games, download is, a car, would you? It's literally just like an arena, like a bombed out arena with a bunch of rubble in it, and that's where the games take place. And like, the, uh... like they don't have any of the like the the biggest like kind of like thing they do within the game to like spice things up is they drop like a bucket of snakes, and and that's it. <laughs> Like, it's just like, they're not very cool. You know, it's like after getting two books of Hunger Games where it's like, oh, there's some pretty interesting concepts. And like, you really have to think about like cleverly about how you would uh, survive these scenarios. And I don't know, it's just like, it's a more entertaining read than it's just like a bunch of people in this arena and they all just go hide in in, like the tunnels, of the stadium constantly. And then they like venture out occasionally looking for food. And then like every once in a while, so one of them gets picked off. It's pretty boring. Say what you will for George Lucas, but at least he was like, oh, yeah, the beloved original trilogy. That was the toilet years. The uh, prequels are going to be shinier. <laughs> well, it's like the the characters are like inventing some of the like the future, like, you know, standards or like, oh, what if we had gambling on it? Oh, that could be interesting. Or what if we could send them things? Sure. Yeah, well, we'll give you the option of sending them just like food or water and that's it. Like, it's, it's just not very interesting. It's like just like extremely janky lo-fi hunger games. It's not even fun to read about. And you're you're just in the dude's point of view the whole time, so it's just like he just shows up at the uh, like the viewing area and just like sits there all day waiting for something to happen. It's super boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it, it's I found it really insidious. Just the whole like uh, like the teenage cadets were like, uh, how can we torture the poor people? Um, and like the really fucked up detail is that after the Hunger Games ends each year. 
they don't clean up they just like leave the bodies where they are so like the next year there's just like if i remember correctly like just what's left of that corpse Enjoy. yeah i mean it'd be like bones by then i'm sure yeah uh, it, it's just like not i'm not really sure what the point of the book is like maybe i, I don't know like because it seems like the hunger games aren't going to get interesting for like at least another 20 or so years and so mm-hmm. i'm not really don't care like I can see, I, like doing like a Hamish novel, maybe that'd be interesting or something. But drinking, yeah. I, I think the point was Cha-Ching. I guess because it was. Uh, I mean, I think it, it's it's been financially successful as far as books go. I mean, are they going to make a movie out of this? Though it seems so dull. It doesn't. It seem like the most Gary Ross of uh, of books. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine or fucking shaky cam inside of a, like a bombed out arena. That sounds super fun. They're like, no, no, we don't want you back, Constantine director. We want the original guy. Um, I have to say, I was really super underwhelmed by the Dune trailer. I know, I know. Oh, really? Book, which is okay. Yeah. Well, like you know what? Like I wasn't sure good, if you're gonna take the other side on that. Good or bad? Like I feel like Blade Runner was like a, a real look. There's a real vibe there. I feel like there was like almost no vibe to Dune. Not knowing, and I, I, I know I already tweeted about this, not knowing anything about the story of Dune, to me it just seemed like some lame YA thing. Like it was just like divergent with a bigger budget. It was a yeah. whole lot of like you're the chosen one and sort of like you have yeah. to master your fear and all this blah, blah, blah. Sort. I'm just kind of curious. Was it like fear is the mind killer or something? Fear is the mind killer. Whatever. Yeah. The, the way they've, and like uh, a lot of like I think lip service to to feminism um like uh, i don't know when they're like, doing like pink floyd's we don't need your education right was that the song they're using i think it was eclipse but yeah that it was be, eclipse yeah, that's what it was yeah <laughs> it would be a much different thing if it's we we teacher leave those yeah. kids alone <laughs> um i think we don't need your education is the tina turner song from mad max beyond thunderdome Has all we need to know is the now? way home hmm, the, okay. the child chorus anyway well what's I, I don't. I just. I feel like there was no look. There was no vibe. Um, the da- the David Lynch movie is obviously bonkers. Um, it's it's fairly accurate to the book. The miniseries from like the late nineties, early two thousands is like I don't know, somewhat enjoyable though dated looking now. I mean, I know the book is beloved by certain people. Certain, certain I just types of necros. I, yeah. I kind of wonder if this is going to turn out like John Carter of Mars, where like. They're just like, you don't understand all like modern sci-fi like stems from this like source. And it's like, yeah, but we've already like we've all moved past that now. So we don't really care that like this got there first because yeah. we all we already saw Star Wars. So I just I know that well, the one thing that bothers me, too, or one of the things that bothers me is the way they're like titling it, because like the It movie, I don't know, it's like It and then like It Chapter 2. And they were like both halves of that book. But at least there was like a clear delineation in the timeline of, of when those would split up like i don't know when they're going to split this one up and then like pick up the second half of the book and then what do you call that like just dune 2 dune chapter 2 I, I don't know um is it weirder that than the still suits that they're wearing they're constantly just pissing and shitting as they walk through the desert or is that better or worse than the old school wizards just dropping hot deuces on the ground whenever they wherever they stood and magicking them away like it was nothing I don't know. Yeah. You just made me think of um, the Baroque cycle, though, where all the characters would just, like, go squat in a corner and, like, take a shit, which mm. I, I 
guess that's like how it was done before, like, I don't know, the 1700s or so. So you just made me think of the uh, the South Park where people shit out their mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> and eat through their butt. Which, you know what? <laughs> that show's fucking retarded now, but uh, I, know, I hate saying that. Um, but like, that might be one of the funniest visual jokes that I took from that show. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that particular episode. And we, that's probably have, okay. We used to quote that back and forth to each other so many times. The one where he's like pooping out his mouth? Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it. Hmm. I don't know if it's possible. I was uh, never like a regular viewer of that show. I would just kind of catch it here and there. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about like like uh, almost two decades ago now. Yeah. From like yeah, the first like few seasons of that show. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, talk about Buffy or what? Speaking of shows from the 90s, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season seven. We're doing the first half. Uh, specifically, we are doing S7E5 Selfless, S7E7 Conversations with Dead People, and S7E10 Bring on the Night. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, uh, <laughs> rewatching a couple of the episodes back to back last night, I was like, man, this sh- this season is sexually attracted to torture. Um, there's elements of season seven that I really like. Um, I do like the bulk of Spike's storyline in this first half. And as we said before, I just really, really wish that it had a different origin. Um, I like... The first evil, sort of. I, I like the concept of the character. You know, I, I like I said before, I enjoyed it when they adapted that concept as the man in black and lost, which I think we talked about. Um, there's moments where you really think this, this show is like going somewhere. Um, I, I don't know. Like there's 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 some greatness in this season. It's like mining a lot of gorgeous dark, dark depths. Um, you know, the end of lessons, I think we're really reminded of this, this, all of this, this whole thing is about power. I, I think the ending of beneath you is transcendental, which we're not really going to talk about. I like that. We get a reminder that just like angels activating phrase was close your eyes. Spikes is you're beneath me. Um, my issue, I think part of it is that spike is given a slightly more interesting storyline than a lot of the other characters, like in a big way. And even that's not totally explored. Um, you know, the depths and lengths one would go to atone and earn forgiveness and how that could be perverted to a more bad, 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 or a big bad. Um, like I said, anyways, there's a lot of things I love about the season. I mean, we're talking about at least two of the episodes that I think are some of the best work the show's ever done. I think they're some of the best shows just on TV. I think Selfless is, like, incredible. I, I wish we could expect just that level from all TV. Um, and it's definitely a darker season. Um, I'm glad it doesn't just shrug off season six as a dream in the shower or a gas leak year. Sometimes I wonder if like if season six as we knew it would be a great first half to a season and season seven as we knew it would be a great second half and then we could do like a real last season of this show. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. And um, just remember, it eats you starting with your bottom. Yeah, I... Uh... I think we're des- definitely going to have some disagreements here because I found Spike's whole plotline incredibly dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, my opening statement, uh, I think this was an odd half of a season. For the first seven episodes or so, it felt more or less like classic Buffy. Uh, you've got all the characters kind of dealing with the fallout from the previous season. You have the lurking plotline, the first. But you still mix it in with like some Monster of the Week format that the show does very well. And then right after conversations with dead people, it shifts into a fully serialized plotline and it feels like the show grinds to a halt. Uh, I think Selfless is one of the best episodes of Buffy ever, maybe top 10 all time. 
and then like the main plot line kicks in and it's just it's all plot without any cleverness or fun juxtapositions that we're used to getting um i thought dark willow at the end of season six was really boring but the willow this season kind of struggling with the aftermath of what she did i think is like super compelling and i wish we got more of that Uh, unfortunately right after conversations with dead people it's like 10 episodes in a row of joyless slog and like endless speechifying before we finally kick things up a notch when uh, Caleb gets there in the last five episodes. Uh, overall, I think it's is a, a fun season to revisit, and it's a shame the show didn't steer more into the characters instead of devoting so much attention to the plot. Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, oh man, like the if we do this again next week, like the second half of the season, where yeah, like they just throw away the, all the main characters for like the potentials and like more speeches. Well, and I know I'm pretty sure we're skipping like six of those episodes. So that'll be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny. Like the speech at the end of the bring on the night, not a bad speech. You're going to hear some variation of it several yeah. more times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's kick things off with S seven E five selfless. I have five top moments as usual. Oh, as usual. I have 10 as usual. Um, <laughs> Number 10, anytime we cut to a room full of dead frat boys. <laughs> uh, nine, the flashback to odds, uh, whatever. And uh, you hear Olaf say, stop, I am Olaf. And the villager's like, that troll is doing an Olaf impersonation. Uh, eight, in the woods, after the spider initially attacks Buffy and Xander, like the spider scurries off. So Xander's just like, all right, let's go regroup, get more swords. And Buffy's just like, uh-huh. And she's like looking up at something and she just flings her axe up in the tree and kills the spider, which like falls dead at her feet. Uh, seven, the flashback to St. Petersburg, 1905. Um, Ani wants to go down to the brothel in search of more vengeance. And uh, Halfrick's like, it's always work, work, work with you as some dude comes running into the room on fire. Uh, six, quite frankly, the return of Hoffren. Um, just the, uh, the flaying of Warren Mears. Oh, truly inspired. That was water cooler vengeance. Lloyd has a sketch of it on his wall. And then, of course, when uh, set part two of that is uh, in that same scene, and Willow's like, we need to talk about Anya. And Hoffren's like, <sighs> yes indeed all right well my number five uh it's also the hoffern moment this is after anya has like taken her vengeance on olaf and anya says vengeance and the hoffern says but only to those who deserve it and anya says they all deserve it the hoffern says well that's where i was going with that yeah <laughs> Uh, my number five is when Buffy is visiting with Spike in the basement and he's explaining that he can't trust what he sees anymore. And he compares it to Drusilla, who was like crazier in a bag of kittens that, in, that were fucking insane. And then like uh, Buffy in her white top there offers to help Spike. And he's like, oh, I can never ask. And she's like, it's different. You're different. We'll get through this. It's you and me. And then we find out that's all a fantasy. And the real Buffy walks in, seems colder in comparison, wearing all black. And she's like, get the fuck out of this basement. Get your shit together. And he just kind of has to laugh at how absurd and fucked up his, uh, mental and existential status mm-hmm. number four i'm gonna go ahead and just put the uh, the first flashback to odd and or odd and sweet I, they're they're in sweden right I yeah mean, it's kind of they're kind of speaking swedish yeah uh <laughs> just, your logic is insane in happenstance like that of a troll <laughs> so i love all the dialogue this is uh drew goddard i believe wrote this yep. episode i think this is his first one on the show and it is like a bolt of electricity it really felt like the show had been getting stale and you can tell this dude is like young and hungry and like looking to get some like really good lines in because it's just way better than we've gotten in the show in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and like he, it's not, it's not overly complicated. It's like, I mean, you have a lot of high concept flashbacks and stuff like that, but like they really get to the heart of like this storyline. Um, it, it, it seems like he definitely studied Buffy as a show and kind of like understood the rhythms of it. Yeah. And so he just like came in and it's just like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll just do like classic Buffy here. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, like a lost formula though. You know, like here's mm-hmm. the present day thing that's affecting and like, here's the flashbacks that build that character. Uh, my number four is uh, at the end when Anya says, Xander, what if I'm really nobody? And he's like, don't be a dope. All right. My number three is uh, the spider creeping up behind Willow. Uh, and then she has to use her dark magic to stop it. And she like yells at the girl. I love that when her eyes turn black. Um, this version of Willow is so much more compelling than Dark Willow. Uh, love it. Also, her outfit. Maybe the yeah, best yeah. outfit on the show ever. I would like. I don't know why Willow didn't dress like this for the rest of the show. It's like iconic. Yeah. <laughs> not not any more of the like little fair pirate boss. No, this is season. such a better look for Willow, and it, it makes more sense for her to have, in some ways, regress, but it also kind of like reclaim like I don't know the identity that she was trying to hide from. Mm. In some ways, you could say, uh, yeah. I just I feel like it's so much more true to her character than like the weird like. I'm like a pirate outfits she's wearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think with her improved station in the acting world and the career world, like I feel like uh, Allison Hannigan was like, I would like to, I don't know how to put it, like dress more shapely. Like I don't want to dress like in big, fluffy, fuzzy sweaters anymore. And they found a way of like kind of, I don't know, I hate to use this word, but like they're like, the character's still a little bit quirky and dealing with some issues. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good outfit. Uh, number three is uh, the living room scene at the Summer's house where Buffy and Xander have it out about the decision to kill Anya. Uh, and he goes back to his usual song and dance about how everything is different for her, and especially if she's fucking some creature. And she reminds him, you know, she loved Angel more than, than anything in this world, and she still killed him. And then she reminds him of his message from Willow in the season two finale, kick his ass. And Willow's <laughs> like, I didn't fucking say that. And then it falls by the way. So yeah, we'll discuss that more when we get to it. Uh, my number two... Halfrick dying, such a win-win. And then I uh, just like the De Hoffrens kind of uh, rejoinder to that. Who do you think you're dealing with? Hmm. Did you think it would be easy to get away? Why? Because you wished it. Uh, and then it's kind of sign off there. He turns in and he says, oh, I wouldn't worry about that. From beneath you, it devours. And I don't know, the way they deliver, that's great. Hmm. Cool. Uh, my number two is everything in the frat house again with, Anya and Buffy and even Xander, especially when DeHoffren shows up. That whole last act, or like last act and a half, is great. But uh, my boy DeHoffren, when he walks in, he's like, oh, breathtaking. It's like somebody slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's like, his just putting down Xander is great. <laughs> oh, he's gallant. Back him off, Slayer. <laughs> number one, we have that same number one, right? I'll be Mrs. Yep, yep, fantastic yep. song um they managed to, to work in like these little like in jokes to once more feeling like she says i'll never tell at one point mm-hmm. uh i think emma caulfield's one of the better singers on the show and then that hard cut at the end where it's just like her big Dead. you know she's just bringing out the pipes full blast and then just like oh sword through the chest yeah yeah I imagine it's that's like, yours it's as like, well. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's like maybe my third favorite song from the musical that's not in the musical. 
I kept. It's a really good song. I guess it was written by Whedon. I think I read that on the wiki. Yeah, he, he. Well, I love that the trivia is not just that he wrote it, but he wrote it in a night. I feel like he wanted like people to know that he wrote it in a night. Uh, like he he's that's his praise for like season seven. He's like, I got to write two more songs. Yay for mm-hmm. me. Um, wait, what was the yeah. other song? Or uh, is it the the, the song outside? No, the um, the Angie Hart song. Oh, did he write that? People. Yeah, we co-wrote it with her. Mm, okay. Um, mm. I kept hoping they would mm. put Mrs. On. Um, oh, is is that a suspect? I don't. Know. It's a possibility. You never know. Um, yeah, I've had that before. I kind of was hoping they would put Mrs. On the um, like soundtrack when they re-released. You know, once more feeling. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those hidden gems. Mm-hmm. You gotta go looking for. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this episode. Uh, you don't get a lot of Buffy in this episode because SMG was off getting married to what's his name. Yeah, which is fine. I think it was nice to see more of Willow. Like they, she, there is a whole episode. Like it's episode three where like she comes back, but like she's like phased out of time with them or something. Um, she can't see her friends. Yeah, which is fine. But I feel like this was, you know, even though it's an Anya episode, I feel like we get a lot of Willow's character here. Uh, well, even even though she's like secondary to the main plot line. I mean, kind of like a, like a almost like sympathetic storyline, you know, of, of dealing with something that she's done. Uh, same time, same place has like that super gross moment where the dude's like peeling skin off her back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like eating the skin. It's pretty gross. Oh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So we start with Willow officially moving back into Buffy's house. But however, she's going to where she belongs, I think, into Buffy's old room. <laughs> well, and she's like, still yeah, going to college. Yeah. She's she's going back to UC Sunnydale. She's like the only one who continued her studies. Hmm. Um, you got Don lecturing her. They're, they're, they're still trying to make Don a character. They got Don talking to her about like, oh, this is what you do. If somebody says something you don't understand, you just laugh. My advice to you is to do exactly what everyone else does all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if I thought this at the time, but rewatching a handful of these episodes, I feel like Dawn works a lot better than she did like last season or the season before. Yeah, I mean, Michelle Trachtenberg's older. I think she is maybe matured as an actor a little bit, so she's not quite as annoying. Although I don't really feel like they give her a ton of work to do in the next episode we'll be talking about. But I mean, um, it's it's they're also not writing her as just the annoying little sister who yeah. has like one mode tantrum or not tantrum. And I think, you know, metaphorically in the episode after this, where she kind of gets to come out of her shell a little bit and be like, I'm not just the kid's sister. I'm also a young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, like there's like a, a good hard cut in this where Xander is talking to Buffy about Anya and he says, I think she's really coming around. And <laughs> just like cuts you a ton of bodies. Uh, like they're, chests are like burst open and it pans over to Anya covered in blood and she's like what have I done it's really coming around yeah I mean I don't know what do you think about Xander's attitude towards Anya and all this um I guess somewhat of an improvement over last season it I don't know it, it almost seems like they they keep dancing back and forth of like do we want to put these characters back together or not it just seems like as I'm watching this scene where he's talking to Buffy it's like he he feels like he parked himself with Anya for a couple years there, and now he's like put her up on a pedestal that's unrealistic for her. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, some of that may be he uh, he thought the grass was greener, and then he was like, "Oh shit, it's not." So yeah, 
I'm sure yeah. there could be some remorse there. Yeah. So after the credits, uh, we get the flashback to uh, the year 880, where Ood or Odd and her boyfriend Olaf, the pre-troll, who's come back from fighting some trolls. Kubiak. Yeah, it's Kubiak. We get this like incredible like pseudo film grain. Like we're watching a really bad movie. There's like little continuity errors here and there. Yeah, they like intentionally filmed it poorly. I love this whole bit. Um, there's like this supposedly they're speaking phonetic Swedish, but I mean this this is like real like Argon Flargon Schlargen <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> well, and I mean the, the the dialogue in the subtitles is hilarious. You know, it's it's all very like on literal. You know, you smell of blood and musk. Fear not. It takes more than a band of minor trolls to bring down the mighty Olaf. Yeah. I mean, she's very petite and sweet and nurturing to him. And I can only imagine what their sex life is like. Yeah. The mere right. thought of them makes me bend in the knee and flex. Yeah. Uh, no one is no wonder that the bar matrons talk of you. And I love this. It's like the weird horror movie, like close up on her. And she's like, you've been to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that, that kind of change that comes over her. Yeah, uh, we like we she, find out that she's she's very selfless. She has this whole like idea about breeding extra rabbits and giving them to the townspeople, not exchanging them for goods and services, but uh, just for the sense of accomplishment and the goodwill. Oh, and then like later, she's just like very pro uh, communism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's a there's an undercurrent where she's realized that she's dating a medieval Swedish fuckboy. Mm-hmm. Um, we come back to now and Anya's uh, oh, blood. real quick we got to get a couple more of these lines of dialogue because they're great uh, he's talking about uh, how they don't take kindly to you he says uh, you speak your mind and are annoying <laughs> but he yeah. says oh it's one of the things I love about you and I had no interest in this Ronvig her hips are large and load bearing like a Baltic woman your hips are narrow like that of a Baltic woman from a slightly more arid region yeah, so we come back to now and Anya's washing blood off of her hands. Out, damn spot. Um, in the this is the scene in the school basement where Buffy visits Spike, and he's explaining he can't trust what he sees, all that stuff. Um, I like that it's like the meaner Buffy is the real one. Like yeah. this one's like seeming very caring, and you're like, oh, are we, are we doing this again with Buffy and Spike? And then nope, other Buffy walks in. Well, there's like a real, I don't know. It's a, it's almost on the nose with like how much Buffy wears like all black or all white <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this season um, as they play with like the duality of, of her and the first uh, spike, of course drops a sick cask Amontillado reference there. Um, well, it was like talking to a teacher or somebody at college, like pleading her way back into college and the, the professor's just like, duh, sure you're back. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> your grade slipped around midterms, but then you aced all of your finals like magic. And she's like, no, not like magic. Um, um, yeah willow this outfit one of the best on the show it, it just to me this is like the iconic willow outfit i wonder i don't know if they like drew this way in the comics or not but like to me it's it, it kind of suggests like an older willow you know because she's kind of uh putting herself out there a little bit but still like embracing her her nerdiness you know it's mm-hmm. just like a simple t-shirt a talisman a skirt and like red tights um i don't know to, to me it's like you can imagine like the iconic Buffy outfits, you know, a lot of times it's just like the tank top or like the leather jacket and the white shirt, stuff like that. Like this, I, I don't know why for one episode they were like, we figured out how to dress Willow and then they like ignore it again and they go back to her, her other typical look. I think her most out of character piece of fashion in the entire show is probably what she's wearing at the end of once more of feeling. Oh yeah, I kind of yeah. It's like a weird like feather boa y purple it's, thing or something, right? There's like high heels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just everything about it to me is like that's not 
Willow. I mean, maybe this is like the influence of magic upon Willow. Yeah, but. sure. You know. Um, yeah, so Willow sees Anya like just aimlessly wandering around wrapped in a, a trench coat like you would do if you had blood all over your clothing. Um, while Willow is like spazzing the fuck out about how excited she is to be back in school. And Anya keeps like nervously looking back at the frat house. And uh, Willow's just like, what are you doing? Wandering aimlessly out of that frat house during the day. <laughs> well, Anya's like, oh, um, I was uh, with my boyfriend. Yeah, we just had lots and lots of sex. And Willow <laughs> just goes, okay. Yeah. Okay, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so then Willow sees Anya has some blood in the palm of her hand. And once Anya bounces, Willow goes and investigates the frat house. There's blood all over the main room. She goes in like a side room and there's just like an orgy of dead dudes of hearts ripped out. On this, I don't know. There's something even about the way Allison Hannigan is playing Willow now. Like she doesn't have that air of invincibility that, you know, her magic had given her for some time. Like she, she seems nervous and scared, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's more relatable as a character, I think now. Um, And even when she does use her magic here and this like spider shows up, it like it freaks her out and like she's kind of like she yells and like she's kind of like mean to the the girls she found and then she's like terrified of herself and what she just did to me that's just like way more interesting this idea that like you do have this power but like if you use it it it's going it comes at a personal cost to you like th- that's to me a lot more compelling than like it's a drug it uh, it reminds me of um willow's dream and and yeah. you know the, the foundation of that she's still unsure if if she's an adult like everyone else is and i like also too that they don't they don't shy away from the fact that like in the absence of buffy or when buffy's not feeling her best willow is the assertive leader so i kind of like this like detective willow yeah yeah it's it's awesome i i'm just like man more of this please and then yeah i just really i mean i guess in a way she's i don't know we'll talk about the scene in the living room but when on first read that scene in the living room is kind of hard because Willow's just so reserved. And I guess you're supposed to take that she's like weighing the decision that she needs to go, you know, use mm-hmm. magic and contact and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so Willow finds a girl crying in the closet, also covered in blood. And the girl just keeps repeating, I take it back. And so this she- is the girl who we find out that she was invited to a party with the frat dudes. And she was dating one of the guys. He broke up with her in front of the others. And they all laughed at her. And so she had screamed out, I wish that you could all feel what it's like to have your heart stripped out for once. Oh and shit! Then, that's when Anya was like, "Boop." Yeah, and then uh, seemingly uh, Anya released the spider on them. Uh, this is a real creepy looking thing. I mean, I don't know, like a couple feet long at least. You know, at least the main body of it. It's climbing on the ceiling behind her. Yeah, it, that, that just that angle. Like anytime you have something crawling on the ceiling behind someone like that, super creepy. Well, because because. Willow says, where did it go? And the girl's like, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. Willow's like, the spider, where is it now? It's, it's like literally on top of her. Head. Yeah, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So she uses a, a protect spell, like just a shield spell, which is a nice kind of transition from her more like offensive magic, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, it's like the power starts to overtake her and she turns around and says, for God's sake, shut up, shut your whimpering mouth. You know? And then she's like horrified of what she just did as she like throws the uh, spider out the window. Which is another example of like Willow's like self-loathing, mm-hmm. uh, but I like that the spell is like uh, almost instinctual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get a troll flashback. We're back to the film grain. Like Olaf is now a troll. The villagers are running in terror from him. Run! Hide your babies in your beadwork. <laughs> the troll is doing an Olaf impersonation. <laughs> the uh, hit him of fruits and various meats. <laughs> 
they I gotta say, they really nail the Swedish voice. Yeah, and then there's a cool kind of uh, pan around, or you see Anya's watching the distance, and then the film green kind of you know goes away as it transitions to the normal color palette there, and DeHoffman walks up. And so she found out that he was cheating on her, and she just kind of went and figured out magic on her own and turned him into a troll. Olaf was busy with Ronvig, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so the Hoffman joins her. He's like really impressed with her, you know, with her handiwork. Um, and I, he's like, what did he do? And she's like a bar matron, a load bearing bar matron. <laughs> Hoffman's like, is there any other kind? Huh? Huh? Like she's, Am I alone here? She's talking about uh, like uh, she talks to other people, but they don't talk to her except to say that uh, your questions are irksome and perhaps you should take your furs and your literal interpretations to the other side of the river. So we kind of found out that like Anya's always been this way. She's always yeah. been just a little off from uh, typical people. Which people are like this, man. Mm-hmm. There's there's people who would like, I don't know. It's like when you finally get on their wavelength, you're like, okay, you're interesting. Well, I mean, I suppose you could possibly have an interpretation that Anya's mildly on the spectrum. Um, just because the way she relates to the world is so much different than everyone else's. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's a spectrum, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so he gives her a new name. I also too, like, so the name odd, it comes from like, there was a King Olaf who was married to a queen odd, but mm-hmm. also like the phonetic translation. Or yeah. The phonetic yeah. Reading there, it's just, she's odd. Um, but he gives her a new name on Yanka. Um, so in Buffy's office, man, Here's how you know Robin Wood is a creep. Like, what is he hiring her for? Like, to so relate her, to the kids. Her job is. I forgot how long it took for us to like kind of get the reveal on Robin Wood. It's like even in all the episodes we watched, he still has not like really. We don't have the shoe dropping there yet on like who he is. You don't even know what's going on with him just burying Jonathan. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so she's so bored that she's like trying to balance a pencil cup on her forehead. Been there, girl. Um. She gets a, or she gets a phone call from Willow and hears about the spider demon um, in Anya's place. How frick is over? She's over the moon about the damage that Anya did. Ugh, like the worst. She, Anya's like still like in shock, and Halfrick's like, you know, it's a reflex. You'll get over it. Halfrick um, just seems like the kind of person who never really listens to what you're saying. She's no. just ready to, uh, you know, manipulate it however she sees fit for her own ends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not even like a fair weather friend. I don't even know what you would call her. Um, She's just manipulative. Like, more like a status, like a status yeah. friend. Yeah. Very toxic friendship. Uh, Willow shows up and she's in like badass mode and telling Halfrick to get out. Um, Halfrick does this ridiculous like gesture to teleport away. Like, like she's only. That's her move. Yeah. She, she always does that. She did that in one of the other episodes too. It's like she just learned it from Bewitched or something. <laughs> but I like Willow showing up. And she's not like flashing the evil, you know, magic eyes or anything. She's just like, get out. Like, and you, you sense her, I don't know say power, but her anger without needing the magic to back it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Willow's there to lay down the law, tell Anya that she's out of control. She's stop. This is when Anya's kind of like doubling down. She's like protecting the mistake that she made because... She doesn't want to feel weak or look weak. She doesn't want to be judged. She doesn't want to face the fact that she's out of control. She's like, those frat boys got, got what they deserved. Even as Oh, Anya, she's like flayed anyone lately? Yeah, she's just like, you know, like, that's rich coming from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the woods, Buffy and Xander are like straight into the... I mean, okay, I read this. Did you see how long Sarah Michelle Gellar worked on this episode? 
Uh, I did not know. It was like three days or something. I mean, but like, I feel like they got a lot out of her in three days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't really notice that much that she's missing because, I mean, she's in like a big fight scene at the end and she's in a few other scenes. So, well, and I, as as we've learned from from our friends who've worked in the industry, the day can go by a lot faster when you have less people talking. Mm-hmm. They're just present in a scene. Yeah. <laughs> like the more actors, the more takes you have to do because somebody's going to fuck it up. Um, yeah, so Buffy and Xander are walking through the woods with weapons, looking for that spider demon. Uh, they come across I just wonder, they find another there. corpse here. Does this guy also get healed at the end? <laughs> or is he out of luck? Good question. Good question. <laughs> the Hovren's like, you never mentioned that, dude. Um, there's some black goo and Xander touches it and recoils with, ugh, sticky. And I want Buffy to be like, the fuck did you touch it for? How would it not be sticky? <laughs> this isn't springy, high-flying stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, this thing's pretty spider, gross, by the way. The spider with its like weird like beak thing. It's like coming out. Ugh. It's like uh, like 35% similar to the mouths of the xenomorphs from Aliens. Yeah. With, with a little bit of predator mouth, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And probably some predator breath i mean it's <laughs> there's in some shots it's definitely bad cgi and then other shots it's a puppet so i'm sure the the shot where buffy's like holding it and it's like reaching out that's uh like a puppet uh it's just uh, it's uh james gunn's brother just as his, mm-hmm. his usual thing as a uh, green screen boy um yeah so spider attacks from the trees and they you know fight it off and then i just i just love this moment where like it scurries away and Xander's just like, we need to like get more swords and axes and come back and like double up. And like Buffy's just like eyeballing it, like, uh-huh. And just flings this axe in the air and kills it. It is pretty cool shots of them like looking up at the trees and kind of, you know, it's all just audio on the soundtrack. You hear like this wrestling, you know, and you kind of yeah. imagine that maybe you see like something moving up there. It's um, it's like a little like, you know, there's certain sounds, you know, just creep you out, but mm-hmm. like under the right context just like the wind yeah. going through the trees can be very rhythmically creepy um so buffy and xander get back home buffy's worried there might be more of them they need to go in research mode and those they're all serious because she knows what the shit is yeah well it's like i know where it came from yeah so she's you know then we we cut to later she's told about the death of the frat boys and uh um well it's xander's just like willow it's on you how could you let us how could you not have told us and buffy's like xander and he's like, how can you not told me? And Buffy's like, Xander, it's okay. She didn't tell us her reason. She didn't tell us because she knows what I have to do. And Xander's like, whoa, whoa, what? And Buffy's like, I have to kill Anya. On well, Willow's demeanor in this, she's very serious and, and sad at the same time. I think she's definitely expressing that with non-verbally. Like she knows, she knows what the implication is of all this. But also, she's now on the other side of somebody who's mm-hmm. going through what she just went through. Yeah. Yeah, which is a really smart thing to do for her character this season. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I was like so into Willow in this episode and so bummed that they never like kind of continued that thread further. I feel like you know, you want to put her with characters where she can reflect and like do that 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 character work and that growth work. I don't think later on that Andrew is the instrument no well i I like the scene that she had with anya earlier in the episode where she kind of confronts her and they kind of have a back and forth i was like hey it's nice to have these two talk to each other because like they were never exactly friends anya or willow never really liked anya that much but it kind of seems like maybe they might uh, have a way to relate to each other now well and uh you've never been more aware of it 
then when Xander's like, what are you doing? You guys are friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are Xander, they? <laughs> have you been paying attention exactly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so after commercial, we're in a flashback to St. Petersburg, 1905. Uh, so it's funny, this was supposed to be the Renaissance, but then they like did the math on Cecily, and they were like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Because for some reason, they want Cecily to be a vengeance demon, yeah. Yeah. So Anya and Hoffrick are like toasting another fine massacre that Anya's carried out. There's like we're like in a fine dining room, with like dead bodies all over the place. And this is when uh, like Anya wants to go down to the brothel, the search for more vengeance. And Dude runs by in the background on fire. So this is presumably Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Um, back to what's going on. You know, we come back to the living room in the Summers house. And Xander is like, within ten seconds, you're considering killing one of your best friends. And Buffy's like, best friends, please. <laughs> I've killed like better acquaintances for a lot less. Well, this is a good little like we haven't had one of these arguments in a while between our, our yeah. main trio. Like season two, really? See, two and I mean, three, maybe end of season four. I mean, the, we, the Yoko we, factor, kind of. We we probably got that in season three, like when Angel came back. Um, but yeah, just like just the three of them having this argument again was like pretty cool because they're all older and you know they've gone through different shit, but kind of the song remains the same and i like how buffy's just like she kind of like shuts xander down she's like i killed angel you know like i i you know was so in love with him and i still killed him yeah i mean it's it's good because as the uh the, the first episode of the season told us it's it's about getting back to basics it's mm-hmm. about you know going back to the beginning the core of all this stuff um well, and so- xander xander's like oh these are mystical deaths can't you do something about this willow and she's just like no i don't have anywhere near that power which is nice to them be like hey magic can't do everything let's kind of like push that uh, back in the box a little bit so like magic's not just a constant solution for everything yeah plus what is she gonna do bring all these guys back and then they enter into a, a dominant sexual relationship with spike come on mm-hmm. um yeah like Enjoy this scene because <laughs> when we add 20 more characters five episodes later, you're not really going to get a lot with like yeah, four. Yeah, which is, which is why it's so fucking nuts that they bring in so many extra characters. But like I'll say right now, I really don't like Bring on the Night. Uh, no, it's, I thought it was a really boring episode. Plot but I'm, I'm kind of glad you picked that one because like that really is the dividing point between. I think it's very important like, to the 7A plot. And 7B. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, just like after that. There's 20 more characters mm-hmm. in that house. Well, um, Xander's yeah, so, got a great line. He says, when our friends all go all crazy and start killing people, yeah. we help them. And uh, Hello, sitting right here. Yeah, sitting right here. <laughs> um, so Buffy says, like, well, you know, yada, yada, Willow's a human being. Anya's a demon. Um, so he's, like, finally, finally, finally getting a glimpse of what Buffy's world truly looks like. And this, mm-hmm. like you said, he's like, you know, you, it's all different for you unless you're boning this evil creature. Um you know, and then she she points out that like um, Anya chose to become a demon twice. Well, even like Spike was harmless; he was helping them. And unlike Spike, Anya had a choice in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you remember that message from Willow: kick his ass. And I was like, hey, I didn't say that. I love the way that just kind of goes right by without any of the significance everyone was hoping it would have. To me, it feels more organic that like his his infamous betrayal it just goes unmarked. Um, I remember but it's addressed. It's addressed, but it, I don't know. To me, it feels more natural than um, I remember in the last season of Breaking Bad. It's like, oh, when are they going to bring up the fact that like Walter let uh, what's his what's her face? Jessica Jones die. And like he brings it up like super awkwardly at one point, right? in like the finale or something. And it just like 
it just felt like that's just there to check a box more than like being like organic. So I like the way that it comes up, but it, it's not like this huge, you know, pivot that everything turns on. Yeah. Um, so he gives Buffy some more shit about like going all judge dread on this shit. And she's like, sorry, bro. It's got, it's got to be, um, he's like, there has to be another way. And she's like, then please find it. So he grabs his coat and storms off and Buffy's just like, well, on the count of two, <laughs> I go get my sword and I follow you. There's a really so, cool shot of Will is just sitting silently, like sadly in the chair. And then behind her, Buffy's opening up her chest and getting the sword out. And Will, well, she, Will is just kind of like, just like refusing to participate in this event, basically. Well, she, she gets the sword. Mm-hmm. She stops. She looks at Willow like last chance. Willow's mm-hmm. like, I can't. I'm sorry. And Buffy's like, cool. <laughs> also, the Oops. whole time Buffy has these like masses, like cuts on her back from the spider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think part of it, you could argue that like Willow in the back of her mind is like wrestling with what she's about to go do. Mm-hmm. So she goes up to her room and one of her drawers, there's just loose playing cards. Yeah. It's a junk drawer, okay. you know, there's like it's random loose. photos in there and stuff. She's like, also, I do card magic. She's got a staple remover. Yeah. Um, and also in there is. The oh, Will is that kind of a magician now. <laughs> She's like, hey, pick a card. Ah, oh, Jesus. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Show it to me. Is this your card? <laughs> um, so also in there is the Hoffman's talisman. The one that he gave her and something blue to convince her to join the ring. Nice continuity. Yeah. She, she does like some classic Willow magic where she actually has to like pour some shit on the ground. And like do some enchanting and canteen or whatever, rather than just wave her hand and like things magically happen, which it just got Down- real ridiculous in season six. Downstairs, Dawn's cooking and she's like, where the fuck is all the paprika? <laughs> <laughs> that shit's um, not cheap. I had to buy some uh, chili pepper today because I was out of it. And it's like, no, that's a fucking racket. Yeah. It's a, like, like $8 for like, like a pinch. Mm-hmm. Give me a fucking break. I got to replace all my spices. All uh, of them? What happened? A lot of them. You like snort them all? A spice accident, man. Spice accident. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it got spicy in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what you do when you put me in a, in a tomb for six months by myself? Uh, so she does a spell and summons them in the bathroom. Oh, can I just derail like, for a second? I just ordered please. some uh, some like extra hot habanero sauce. So when I when they find my body, because I uh, I took too much of this at once, just now you know. I mean, I would I would caution you this: people die of diarrhea every every day. Okay. So just I don't know, maybe keep a bottle of water. I'll be fine. I've dehydrated. I've been rocking like the uh, you know like ten thousand Scoville stuff without too much trouble. So. Yeah, it's, and people who are listening who checked in our like our Patreon podcast where we spent an hour of you and I googling hot sauces because you wanted a new hot sauce, other than was it Valentino's? I do like the Valentinos. That's a good standby. But I, you know, I'm I'm eating a lot of fucking tacos. I figure I might as well try some new hot sauce. Oh, so if you if you just do a Google search for like hot sauces, like 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 really erudite, like top tier shit, um, it's a real douchey. Well, because there's market. a lot of like novelty shit, where it's just yeah. like burning like asshole to, hot sauce. You know, it's like when you go to Bevmo. Yeah, yeah. It's like can we put a sugar skull and a devil on this beer bottle that tastes like garbage? Mm-hmm. Um, or just it's really like I don't know, like people just really stroking it over, like we got a fucking ghost pepper in this shit. And it's like I just want the flavor. Yeah, yeah, and just 
what are they using for street tacos and Acapulco? Like, give me that stuff. I don't need like the, what the if, stupid novelty stuff. What if this was the hot sauce? It's just a picture of Michelle Trachtenberg, mm-hmm. and all all the words on it say is it's coming out both ends. <laughs> Why Michelle Trachtenberg? Why would you do that to her? Because she says that later. That's okay. her excuse. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> My puppy can't make it to work. She's got it coming out both yeah, ends. She had too much of uh, El Yucatica, extra spicy. Uh, anyway, so. She does that spell. She summons uh, to Hoffman. He's like, shows up in a burst of smoke, and he's like chanting. And he turns around. He's like, oh hey, it's you. Well, he's like doing a whole thing. Behold, you know, to Hoffman, Lord or whatever. He that turns the air to blood. And, oh hey, what's up? I just, I figured I'd be hearing from you soon. The flaying of Warren mirrors. Oh, truly inspired. Watercooler vengeance. Lloyd have a has a sketch of it on his wall. Yeah. I like how she says that's not me anymore, and he goes, "Is that right?" So I didn't feel your presence earlier today. I didn't feel a bit of the old you, and just great acting by Allison Hannigan here like it's it's classic Willow infused with like the new guilt that she has um mm. god I love Will in this episode this guy's in uh he's in the first episode of Firefly oh is he yeah this guy's great like DeHoffman I mean, it's not is like always, you'd recognize always, him yeah you know he's like the captain on one of the evil empire mm. ships but like I always love DeHoffman like this guy captures that perfect Buffyverse character where he's like I don't know like personable and affable but he can turn evil on yeah he has that ability when he's like what did you think who did you think you were dealing with you know like he he can turn it whereas like sometimes i feel like they have the character there's no turn there they're just goofy mm-hmm. the whole time and like obviously like if, i'm glad you skipped it because it's a trash episode but like the the joke of hell's bells is that like the human wedding guests are all monsters and the mm-hmm. demons are all like perfectly civilized mm-hmm. like to Hoffman's like the best wedding guest of all time. Anyway, so again, uh, one of my top moments there. We need to talk about Anya. <sighs> <laughs> so then uh, Xander comes to the frat house. He's somehow tracked Anya down here. And um, she has a great line. Let me see if I can find it. Where oh, Xander's like, I'm sorry. Her. I'm sorry for everything I did to you. Everything I put you to through. And Anya goes, thank you. All better. Thank goodness you got here in time. No, it gets better. So I have the whole thing here. Mm-hmm. Xander's like, you don't understand. This isn't an intervention. Buffy's coming to kill you. And she's like, she's coming to try. Mm-hmm. And he's like, did everyone have their crazy flakes today? You guys are friends. How could you talk like this? And she's like, I have a job to do. And so does Buffy. Xander, you've always seen what you wanted to. But you knew sooner or later it would come to this. And then it's almost like a, a classic uh, Obi-Wan versus Anakin moment here where she looks past him and it pans over to Buffy standing there with the sword. Mm. Like a little petite terminator. I have the higher ground on Yonka. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my my um as I've mentioned before, I think my favorite shot in Revenge of the Sith. It's the best thing George Lucas did in the prequels. <laughs> yes. A- um, am I wrong, dude? I don't think I am. Visually it was like I... an actual like like filmmaking moment there. Like he actually trusted his actors for once. There are visually elements of Attack of the Clones that I I, I think really really work, mm-hmm. um, but I just there's like a weird humor when like Anakin stops listening to the Padme and just looks up at the stairs and like Ewan McGregor just got like his hands on his hips. Well, the like, the discipline, like disappointed dad energy, the discipline to allow Hayden Christensen to look up at him while he's still monologuing and to wait long enough before you cut to him and then he just is wordlessly standing there like it's just i don't know it's like george more of that you're on something and, there. Hayden, 
And then Anakin's just like, you don't understand, Padme. Fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Buffy in the doorway, with a little petite Terminator of her sword. Uh, Anya knocks Xander out of the way, and the two of them start fighting. And Anya's like, this is beginning to be a bit of a pattern of you. Are there any of your friends you haven't tried to kill? They have a nice little fight. It's a nice like, little Anya's fight. holding her own. Um, and then at one point, Buffy's just like, Anya, I'm sorry. And she's like, you're apologizing to me? What fight are you watching? Or is this like one of your little pop culture references that I don't get? Because I am a vengeance demon. And then she gets stabbed through the chest. And then we get one more flashback here. Into the wall. Yeah, it stabbed, pinned to the wall, yeah. And then we get a uh, flashback to you once more feeling, basically, the, the night before their I'll Never Tell song. Mm-hmm. When Anya has a uh, Xander's just like sleeping in a, like a lazy boy, and she she sings her song "All He Misses," and she's like taking his shoes off and putting a blanket over him, and kind of I mean the her arc in this episode is all kind of how she's just kind of latched on to whatever's come along, and she's never really sought out like her own identity, you know. And we we see that here with Xander. She's like, "Who am I? I'm the Misses. You know, all the Misses." But there's a. Also, we get David Fury and Marty Knox thing about the mustard mm-hmm. outside. Um, there's like a I don't know. There's a there's a happiness to it though. Like she's in cloud nine of her pending mm-hmm. nuptials. It's totally fine that she wants this wedded bliss, wants to devote herself to her love. I mean, it's it's like it's okay for right nobody to like want to have a family and a sense of belonging, especially since it's not covered in the song. But at this point, Anya's kind of proven herself as a thriving small business owner. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's like. Let the let the girl be excited about her wedding to this fucking doof asleep in the lazy boy. She likes the bull, she's good with math. Oh, oh, the uh the other thing from Hell's Bells and the uh fake flash forward vision that Xander has is that uh like one of their kids is clearly not his. <laughs> um yeah, it's um yeah so the song keeps going like i think every time you think the song is going to end it just like gets bigger she also she breaks the fourth wall at one point when she sings what's the point of loving i mean except for the sweaty parts and she kind of like looks right at the camera for it love that much like she did at the the start of i'll never tell Mm -hmm. um uh yeah but so like one point she just like goes out of the balcony now she's in her wedding dress like reaching this crescendo it's like like, perfect musical moment will be and then like hard cut to now mm-hmm. on with the sword in her gut seemingly dead and they let it they let it let like last for that one perfect beat <laughs> and then she finally like she really makes a like, like an awful noise when she yanks his sword out she's like <laughs> so xander wakes up on the ground like seeing this so i guess um, this is a callback to when we saw halfrek get uh run through when yeah. she says like you should know better like then it takes a lot more to kill a vengeance demon yeah well, and, and and again, because they they can't have her do a lot of dialogue scenes, but like the way Buffy is just standing there, watching, mm-hmm. waiting, like it's it's like I don't know. There, we never see it as much because she's so casual about it. And she makes it look easy, but like there's a professionalism almost to Buffy's yeah. job. Yeah, like she's gonna finish this. Um, so Dahopran so, shows up. Just as yeah. Buffy, Buffy almost like runs through Anya again. Xander stops her, and they they continue to fight. And then here comes to Hoffren, and this is when he has his oh breathtaking. It's like somebody slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. Well, so so at one point Buffy is about to bring the sword before he shows up back down to Anya again, and like Xander like tackles her to like stop her. Mm-hmm. So now you know Buffy's gonna be pissed off at Xander. So De Hoffren teleports in, and he's like, "Oh please, don't mind me. Continue with whatever you were doing." 
Isn't that where uh, Anya yells at Xander too? She's like, stop trying to save me, Xander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. But yeah, she's she, she has very complex emotions, I think, in this because I think she appreciates what Xander's trying to do, but it, it angers her at the same time because he's not allowing her to like make her own decisions. Yeah, yeah. Well, because that was the whole thing is he comes rushing in here like, I have to save you. Mm-hmm. I'm the one to save you. And she's just like, no. Like, especially I think she's out of place at the start of this, this scene with if I made these mistakes, this is mine to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to be saved. Well, that's what um, she tells to Hoffer. And she's like, I want to take it back. Um, Cause I, I think they, there's well, like a conversation Hoffman, where it's like, I don't think we've heard what Anya wants to do. Yeah. 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 Like he's just like, you know, I talked to Willow, you know, she thinks Anya be better out of the vengeance game. Uh, we already know what lady Hacksaway wants <laughs> and the young man. He sees it the eyes of loves, but I don't think anyone stopped to ask what Anya wants. Um, so she so, wants to take it know. back. Um, and he's but the like, latest ever takes backsies, right? Like she's mm-hmm. taken back a, a bunch of these. Such a thing, not easily done, but not impossible. And it's kind of understood that uh, the you know he says lives of these victims require sacrifice, the life and soul of vengeance demon, and so on. He's like, do it, and like she's willing to die for this, and she's like, stay out of it, Xander. And so, yeah, she's like, Xander, you can't help me. I'm not even sure there isn't me to help. I understand the price. Do it, and Joffrey's like, cool. And then uh, suddenly Halifrick shows up and is like, oh, what am I doing here? And then she fucking lights on fire and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Anya, you, it's a win-win. You're, you're good. You can, yeah, you can find just, better friends than that. Dahmer's just like in your fucking face. Never go for the kill when you go for the pain. Yes. Says, you're out. <laughs> Who did you think <laughs> you're your dealing badge with? badge and gun. Yeah. yeah. It's like the second time she's been fired from the Vengeance Corps and like lived to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I, again, Buffy. You could argue uncharacteristically quiet here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so DeHoffren's just like, BT Dubs, you've heard this about six times now, but from beneath you it devours. Also, hint, hint, wink, wink, I'm acknowledging your fate, Anyanka. Sorry. Yeah. Rough. Finale's rough. This is where Xander goes after Anya, and she says, you know, she, she wants to be alone for this. And she's like, my whole life, I just clung to whatever came along. What if I'm nobody? And he's like, don't be a dope. She says, I'm a dope. And he says, well, that's something. Yeah. And then they, they walk their separate ways. Kind of like the end of, uh, like the, I think it's like the third episode of season four. When everyone's like walking their own separate way. Uh, Harsh maybe, light of day. I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, I want to say, isn't there a little bit of that in Seeing Red? Don't they all? Or not Seeing Red. Uh, the one before that. Don't they all? I can't remember. Maybe. Anyway. Great episode. Like, uh, Great episode. Top ten for sure. I might argue it's in my one of my it's my top five. But it's just like it's just everything the show is good at. You you have a little bit of uh, overarching plotline, but it's mainly just like, hey, this is an episode where we're going to address like this character, and then we also like are going to use that to like work in some stuff about Willow at the same time. And uh, there's lots of funny jokes. It's inventive. We have like the clever flashbacks, and there's lots of fun continuity. Yeah, it's just. All around great. And I think it's a perfect example of the kind of season seven. We're, we're taking it back to the basics, you know, back to where it began, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think you could almost argue this is like the audition piece for him to end up, Drew Goddard to end up on Lost. Because again, this is like, it's like if you, if you can do this episode, it's like you totally get the Lost format. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. To have yeah. that that thing in the present that offers reflection for one of the characters. And in those flashbacks, while you're nailing those points, we can have fun of our own mythology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like we can have Dr. Arts show up. 
and takes a shit guy and Nikki. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about another great episode, right? I mean, I'd say it's like three fourths of a good episode. Okay. I think you can guess okay. which, uh, which storyline I'm not a fan of. Oh, which one would you not be a fan of? I'm going to, uh, probably Dawn. Yeah, it's no. Dawn's. Dawn is, okay. oh God, her whole fault line so aggravating. Anyway, before you get to that, I have uh, another five top moments here. Uh, I only have eight. Also, this is, this is Drew Goddard and Jane Espenson. So nice to have her. I forgot to I look up like... who wrote which. Yeah, Jane Espenson is also great. I have it in my notes. We'll get to it later. Okay. Um, not bad for these two to get uh, credit. They each only wrote one storyline. Oh, really? Marty Knox. Yeah, Marty Knoxon wrote one, and Joss Whedon wrote the Buffy one. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I really want to know who wrote what now. Uh, I'll tell you as we get to mm-hmm. it. I have somewhere in my notes. Uh, my number eight. Um, Buffy says, that's great. What else have you been up to? And he's like, well, apparently dying, <laughs> LOL. Uh, seven. I just really like the beginning with the band setting up and the starting and the title cards mm-hmm. and just there's this, this kind of like ooh something different and the song of course is great um this title card will also i have this song on my itunes as do i um this song of course will wreak havoc on the timeline because the timeline and bring on the night makes no sense at all because it's christmas yeah it's it's really should only be three days later yeah and it's, we know this is November 12th. <laughs> this is some PLL shit right here. Um, and then, oh, I got all this dialogue here. Do I want to read all this? Maybe it's just like really early Christmas decorations. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the pains of consumerism. Um, I'm going to try to pop through some of this dialogue here. Uh, my number six moment. So what, you like vampire, fight vampires professionally? Or, oh, I don't get paid. It's more of a calling since even in school. I heard a lot of rumors about you back then. You were all mysterious. I was? Well, you were never around. A lot of guys, thought, kids thought you were dating someone really old. And Buffy's like, LOL. He's like, or that you were like heavily religious. Scott Hope said you were gay. <laughs> and she's like, what? I dated that ringworm. <laughs> uh, was that your six? That's my six. Uh, let's see. So my number five is the only part I like about Don's whole thing is when it just like pans up uh, from like Don's messing with the radio and it pans up and then we see uh, Joyce lying on the couch like the house she was found dead in the background mm. super creepy um, number five is is again i like the idea of dawn's storyline like the banging is straight out of personal shopper um or personal shopper straight out of this mm-hmm. the the there's some horror movie vibes here and then it gets really cheesy with the written in blood mother's milk is red today <laughs> <laughs> uh That's let's cool. see my number four is willow talking to cassie there as cassie's uh trying to suggest uh how willow can you know get out of her predicament and willow says i'm not strong i'm not an amazon i'm just me i was like that line mm. uh kind of similar to buffy at the end of season two mm-hmm. no weapons no friends what else do you got um there's two moments my number four is two moments from this exchange in the cemetery um when he's just like, oh, I have so much to learn. Come on, isn't this insane? I mean, I was afraid to talk to you in high school. Now we're like mortal enemies. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we became nemeses? And she's like, is that how you say that word? Arch nemesis. And then when he says later, and I kind of hate this guy. So it's funny to me that I like some of the Joss Whedon dialogue here. But he's like, I haven't really kept in contact with many of my friends from high school. Guess I'll be looking them up pretty soon. I don't know. I... I guess I'm torn on the guy. I I like the the character and what 
he does and how he functions, even though like I wouldn't want to spend time with this dude, I guess I would say, you know. He fits for this episode. Yeah. Even though, you know, this dude killed Winifred Burbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Knox. He he was also the uh He was shitty on Firefly too. The dude who like it was like deep into the underworld or something like that, like made a bad deal or something, I think. Yeah. In Firefly? Yeah, there all I remember from that episode. He was like he supposed like, to be dead, but then he actually wasn't, but then he was at the end. He's like Mao's friend who's like gonna mm-hmm. sell them out to save his own skin. And yeah. there's a great line at the end of that where once he's dead, spoiler, uh, for the twenty five year old show or whatever. But like uh uh what does he say? Um Mal says something like uh like you fired this gun years ago. The yeah. bullet finally just Yeah, came. yeah. Uh let's see, my number three Andrew and Jonathan doing their uh, check communications. Check, 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 check. <laughs> Love it. I feel like the nerds are better this season. They, they're they a little less like Bazinga and a little more natural. Mm-hmm. Well, because the, I don't know, the performed artifice of nerds that they still try to pull off. And, you know, as you said, Big Bang Theory, like it's not the same. Like that's not. Well, it's like they don't need like, to be making a pop culture reference every other word of dialogue. Yeah. They can just yeah, be sort like, of nerdy in general. They're not like lonely academics of like yeah. nerdiness. Like it's like the whole like revenge of the nerds picture of, of, of these social outcasts isn't not accurate. Um I don't know. Maybe that's just me letting myself off the hook. Maybe you and I are just sitting here bazingaing each other. Um hmm. Uh, my number three is Cassie's way too big and wide, creepy, evil <laughs> smile at the end. Yeah, which I guess Amber Benson did not want to do that part. You know, it's it's interesting. It's one of those ones where like the it's like keeps getting like conflicting information. Like one hand is like people are just like, yeah, she didn't want to like show Tara as being evil. Like she didn't want to disrespect the character that way. And other times they're just like, yeah, she just wasn't available. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It kind of seems like Joss Whedon was like, hey, I have a part for you. And she's just like, no. I'll be busy writing my novels, which sound terrible. <laughs> About Calliope Reaper Jones, the daughter of death. Uh, my I number two. Just that right off the top of your head. <laughs> I know what you're getting for your birthday. Mm-hmm. My number two is just the opening sequence with Blue by Angie Hart. Like that song, got it in my iTunes. And uh, then the way it kind of uh, ends with the hand coming out of the grave and Buffy just goes, here we go. Yeah. All right. You're number one. I'll just see if I could pull up the song on my phone. Okay. Uh, Shit. There's a lot of songs called blue. Never mind. Hmm. Um, My number two is uh, the nerds are digging. And as they dig, they have the conversation about like, you know, missing high school versus not missing it. And Jonathan's like, I miss all of it. People I talk to, my enemies, people who never knew I existed. I want to catch up with them and just, you know, find out how their lives are and how they're doing. And like Warren is just over his shoulder, staring maniacally at Andrew. And Andrew's like turned harder by it. It's just like, not a single one of those people you mentioned wants to talk to you or cares about you. And it's like, it's meant to crush Jonathan and, he, and it doesn't. He's just like, well, I still care about them. Maybe that's why I'm here. And he goes back to digging. And it's like, oh yeah, he's going to die. <laughs> He's going to die. Yeah, so this is my number one uh, moment in the episode. Just Jonathan, like, he remembers his locker combination. And he's, like, just his general vibe. He's, like, oh, you know, I really miss everyone. I want to know how they're doing. And Andrew's just, like, they don't care about 
you? And he's like, well, I still care about them. I feel like obviously he's going to die because he's reached a sort of uh, epiphany. Like, you know, he's, he's kind of figured out some shit, you know, in life. I don't know. I feel like it was a nice little message you get from a character, even on his way out that like, it's okay to not be the cynical nerd, you know? Well, and it feels like, uh, like a good end piece to, to earshot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like he had to be informed in earshot that like the shit you're suffering through is no different from what else is dealing with, you know? So it's like, sometimes people aren't, I don't know. They're not to blame because what you're going through, they're dealing with it themselves. And now he's like, I want to reach out to them and see what their lives are like. I don't well, and this is after he's kind of gone down a dark path of being just like a really shitty kind of like toxic geek type persona. Mm-hmm. And now he's, Rather than just like go deeper into that and become more cynical and jaded, he's actually coming back from it. Yeah. Um, so my number one is in the tomb. Uh, Buffy's telling Holden about Spike, you know, and she's like, and the joke is that he loved me in his own sick way, but I didn't want to be loved. So she, says, uh, she says that she wanted to be punished. She feels worse than everyone. Her friends or her boyfriend, she feels like she's beneath them, that their love doesn't matter because they don't know what she's been through. She feels bad about it, but she's like superior to everyone. And he's just like, you've got a superiority complex and you've got an inferiority complex about it. Um, and he's like, hey, everyone feels like they're alone because they are alone until they die. <laughs> yeah, I, I a lot of the dialogue, you can tell Joss wrote that, uh, that mm-hmm. segment because it feels like him. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into the episode here. After the, uh, in, in the opening, we're seeing like Buffy patrolling, Willow's kind of falling asleep at the library. Um, I don't think we see Jonathan yet. I think we cut to them after the credits where they're like driving in a car and they have the fun conversation about uh, 82 starting with your bottom. <laughs> Angie Hart was like in um, a band called Splendid, which is also, you know, shown up in the show. Um, in addition to, I think they're on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Buffy starting to the cemetery. Spike's like doing like shit at the bar. It was like studying at her college library, maybe about to fall asleep. Don comes home to an empty house, finds money stable there for dinner. Um, we're outlaws of hearts of gold, Andrew says. I think that's a good early hint at uh, his storytelling uh, arc there, you know, because he's, he's always coming up with like a new kind of narrative frame for himself where he's the hero. Yeah, yeah. And kind of justifying himself. Yeah. Dawn's eating pizza and singing to her anchovies. So anchovies? could they like not afford to license any music for Dawn to dance to here? Or do they, they really want her to <laughs> dance to some like random mariachi music? She's just like, oh, it's my favorite salsa channel. Mm-hmm. Well, just her like holding up that like white top and getting the pizza all over it. Jesus Christ, Dawn. Come on. Yeah, she'll think it's blood. Mm-hmm. I want to say later... Is it Anya who's doing laundry? And she's just like, I don't think this is blood. Hmm. Um, it takes a chunk out of the wall when she shoots an arrow into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you loaded the bolt into the crossbow, Don. The fuck did you think? Well, it's just like, happen come now? on, Don. Jesus. You know what, though? Get your shit together. You know what, though? Moving the plant in front of the hole and like no one noticing. And then like, you know, like three episodes later, like the Harbingers show up and mm-hmm. it's like, Okay. Well, so this is, I guess that's a freebie. This is my problem with the Don, 
you know, quarter of the episode in general is that I feel like it should be spooky and instead it's loud and annoying. Like there could be a lot of like kind of spooky haunting stuff going on or it's like TV's turning on. We didn't mean them to or lights turning off like weird creaks, you know, all that. And instead it's just like explosions every, you know, not literal explosions, but like, you know, like stuff flying around and she's hitting stuff with an ax left and right. And it's just, she's screaming and it's just like super loud and annoying and like, I just feel like that's the wrong vibe for what you should want here. You should want this to be scary. I think if there were only one other storyline, like, and she was like the A plot, like that would be possible. I think with like four and a half storylines, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's not possible. It just, it's Um, way too much of her screaming. Yeah. So we like, we do at one point get like a killer POV. of like someone watching Mm -hmm. her from Mm -hmm. outside the kitchen. I, I'm always kind of curious about like the first power set, which I get should be like Omega level or whatever. It's just interesting to think, I don't know, as a antagonist in a TV show, it's hard to picture like, Oh, the first is like just bullying these people. Like, yeah. At at the same time, show up as dead people and uh, emotionally manipulate you. Um, But I mean, like it's weird when it's like all happening at the same time, like Mm -hmm. Cassie's doing the same thing as like Dawn's getting this shit done to her. So she starts hearing the banging. Um, Willow's like studying. She's visited by Cassie the Dead Girl. Do you want to catch four. us up with Cassie the Dead Girl? Cassie the Dead Girl is from episode S74. Um, she was a high school student who Buffy was supposed to counsel. And she's just like, well, I'm going to die at the end of the week. Uh, I just had this feeling that I'm going to die. And so they're like trying to figure out like, oh, is there like a mean, you know, boyfriend? There's some guy that likes her. Maybe he's going to be jealous or maybe it's her alcoholic dad. And uh then we find out that like there's actually this whole crazy ritual that like these kids are doing at the school and like using her they're like oh no one will you know mind if she dies and this is going to make us rich and buffy stops all that and then she like stops a booby trap that would have killed her and then at the end of the episode cassie just like keels over and dies anyway because she had like a heart condition they didn't know about Hmm. um so they're talking about how it's ironic that she's talking to willow since they never really met before and because cassie's dead (laughs) that's like a lampshade for sure She's like, I'm supposed to be Amber Benson, but she said no. Just, uh, you know, imagine that I'm her, refer for me as her, and all inside jokes apply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's just like, she was, I was sent by her. She says that she still sings. So she's like really fucking up Willow's head, like making her think that she's representing Tara. And it, it's, it, they do find an interesting shade to the lampshade of like, well, no, sweetie, you can't see her because of what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the summer's house, like Dawn's now eating like gooey marshmallow. Jesus um, Christ, Dawn. Just getting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I do kind of like this this moment. I guess like what channel are you on? Yeah, like, oh come on, she's so dead. He's clearly a psychopath. Is so what? No, that's not Tom Hanks. What channel are you on? Yeah. Presumably this is her friend Kit, because she dropped that drip Janice. Yeah. Also, why is this TV on like the floor or something? Yeah. The the TV's never made sense in the Summer's house because, like, they clearly watch TV. I can't we, believe we, we, we've we made it through, like, how many years of, like, this tiny-ass little CRT TVs. How, how do we live? The, the one, the little black and white one I had in mm-hmm. my bedroom for, like, 10 years where it's, like, the one dial did, like, the channels 1 through 13. Mm-hmm. And then I had to turn it to like an auxiliary thing. And then the other dial did the, channels did like yours 14 the, through 60. Did yours have the deal where it's just, like... Oh, this channel will come in, but I just have to like hold the end of the antenna the whole time. And if I let go, no, it I goes needed fuzzy. to like, 
I needed to like sometimes it was like I needed to go stand in the doorway mm-hmm. and then the channel would come in and I'm like I would do that for 20 minutes and I'd be like what the fuck am I doing yeah. and then I would move some heavy piece of furniture into the doorway <laughs> anyway back in the cemetery Buffy's like fighting this vampire that like you know the here we go vampire who rose up from the grave and she stops when he rec- or she he recognizes her from high school and it's it's webs holds the webster from high school uh, I just fucking love this guy at Mutant Holden. Enemy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys named Holden, always bad news, right? Uh, Holden Caulfield. See, I'm I am a big fan of The Catcher in the Rye. It's one of my favorite books. I know it's a I mean, do you popular to not Holden be Caulfield? that guy. Not necessarily, but I don't think that necessarily means he's a bad character. You know who cares about flowers when they're dead? Nobody. That's who. That's who. Yeah. Um, the Summer's House. You know, everyone, everything that can make a noise in the house is the microwave starts doing something. Dawn kills it with an axe. Dawn's just like killing everything with an axe here. And she hears Joyce's voice over the radio saying, Dawn? There's a whole thing where like a glass explodes over her from the microwave and she's like doing this kind of like barefoot on the glass, like backing up. Harden it. Yeah. And they never really come back to that. Like yeah. we don't see her like picking shards of glass at her feet or anything. I think that we see her bandage her foot at one point. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it's very quick. So after the commercial, Holden's like still trying to jog Buffy's memories. Like, you know, the junior production of Pippin. I did the lighting design. I even dropped the lighting board on your foot. And she's like, really? And she he's like, yeah, you helped me move it. And she's like, oh. And he's like, oh, I filled out doing Taekwondo at Dartmouth. And this is when she's like, that's great. What else have you been up to? And he's like, well, apparently dying. Uh, so he's been majoring in psych. Took a year off to intern at the Sunnydale Mental Hospital. He's like, like that guy, Crazy J. Yeah, or Jason Miller, you know, Crazy J. Also that shtick. Oh, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. And Buffy's like, Oh yeah, how is he? And he goes, Crazy. It's such a simple joke. So she's just like, I'm the Slayer, and he's just like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to know exactly what that intrinsically is. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so this is the whole talk about just you know like. You know, I've been doing that since high school. Oh, we always thought that like, you were like dating a really old guy or religious. And it's like, remember those giant fucking crosses she would wear all the time? <laughs> and then so, yeah, like I used to date that ringworm. And he's like, oh, don't worry. He says about every girl he breaks up with. And then last year, big surprise, he comes out. And she's just like, men, do I know how to pick them? Well, uh, then at uh, later on, like she mentioned something about like not be, really being connected. And he goes, oh, wait a minute. You know, that was kind of a telling statement. She goes, oh, Psych 101 alert. <laughs> yeah. So he attempts to like shrink her head. And we see that like, you know, in their fight earlier, she had dropped her cell phone. So she doesn't hear Buffy or Dawn calling. This is when I think Dawn is like, like uh, bandaging up her feet while she's on the phone. Okay. Um, so there's a moment where she like, she drops something and we come back out. There's like Joyce's dead body on the couch behind her from the body briefly. It's great. Um, there's some flashes like chair and furniture keep getting like stacked up on top of each other. We see like mother's milk was red today, written in blood at one point. A little over the starts, top the first. Yeah. And then she's, um, the whole thing is the whole thing is like, it's like everything else it's is like a scalpel. Like, everything's a like hammer. glass exploding. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some banging. And so she starts working out the rudimentary, like one for yes, twice for no. Hello. And the personal shopper. It's mom. Are but she's mom? not alone. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, not okay. It's in theory, this is a good setup for a scene. Um, it's just too loud. I, I feel like it's just too chaotic. It's it's not scary like it should be. Oh, look how old we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Just it's too, too darn loud, son. Mm-hmm. Can you just can you just turn it way down? Um, so yeah, so there's more chaos. There's like shaking and banging and sparks. 
And then uh, um, cut to the nerds. We see Jonathan rappel down into the library at the high school, and then Andrew just like splats behind him. Yeah, uh, should be dead. Probably. Should have a broken. It's like nose. oh, I have shin splints. I don't think that stopped you from uh, being able to rappel properly. Yeah, yeah. So they make their way through the high school at night. Uh, Jonathan suggests they can they can you know um, they should go to Buffy, but Andrew says no. You know um, they need here proof. For seal. Yeah. Jonathan thinks that they're doing this to get proof to this, so then they can go to Buffy. When Andrew, obviously, we, we learn is being manipulated by the the first as Warren, and so Andrew he knows what he's going to do, which is murder Jonathan. Yeah, I mean it'd be great if they were just like if Andrew was just like, "Hey, Warren, unamb- unambiguously, I have feelings for you." That's <laughs> <laughs> where they do the check communications, which I love. Yeah. And then uh, they, they their Echo 1 and Echo 2. And then Jonathan's just like, do you think they're really going to let us join their gang? And, and Andrew just kind of like shrugs. Yeah. So once Jonathan is gone, quote unquote, Warren shows up, um, you know, and, and presumably like Andrew really thinks this is Warren. Then um, that the, the was he said, like the the whole dying thing was just like an angle I was playing or whatever. Does the whole if you strike me down. You know, and then he uh, Adam Bush here does do like a pretty good kind of like visual Yoda impression. As he like he does that whole like no there is another thing and he like closes his eyes and smiles and looks up like Yoda, and then uh, he's like wait really who's our last hope and Warren's like no I was just going with it it's it's him yeah he's our last hope yeah. uh so back at the UC Sunnydale Library Willow's like talking to Cassie um again the first is just really overextending themselves here Willow has questions about Tara um Cassie implies you know the Willow can't see her because she's killed people and them's the rules. So Willow's like trying to talk to Tara and like telling her that she misses her. And Cassie's like, oh, she's crying. Um, she wishes Cassie she rem- could touch you. Yeah. Cassie reminds her that she's like strong, like an Amazon. Just really baiting the hook here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the bronze, uh, Spike is just enjoying a drink when a chick sits beside him and puts down her cigarettes. Well, I guess is like universal sign for like bar DTF. I mean, I guess this happens at bars. Um, isn't this like isn't there a thing in traffic when Clifton Collins Jr. puts down the cigarettes with like the uh, the condom taped to the back of it I don't remember that at all but maybe um, but I mean just in general like if you're just a weird dude sitting alone at the bar it's kind of you know your flag is up uh, for anyone else who's looking to hook up to come sit next to you can put their mail in your, your box mm-hmm. yeah um so we cut to buffy laying on it on a tomb like a therapist couch as uh holden gives her a session um so he's like so you meet someone you form a bond and he, she's like but it never lasts and he's like do you mean in all relationships or just yours <laughs> um and he senses that she's he's like, he's like i think you're in a lot of pain and i enjoy it because i'm evil by the way i think at one point he's asked her if her parents are divorced i mean it's just like aha uh-huh, yeah yeah. And if you had to blame uh, somebody, who would you blame? And she's like, well, my father. And he's like, mm-hmm. Um, just in the form of the, the word is uh, sire, not vampify. It's a noun as well. Um, and the whole nemesis thing. Um, well, he, he's, uh, I, he has a fun line here. He's like, hey, I don't want to, uh, I don't mean to be a Count Budinsky here, but uh, you just don't seem as thrilled. Is it going to be, is it because we're going to fight it? And Buffy says, it's because I'm going to win. I like her confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, the thing where she asked, like, who does she think was at fault for the parents' divorce? And she's like, I think it was my dad. I think he cheated. Um, which is like quite possible knowing Hank Summers, but it also like it, yeah. Like in general, I mean, we've seen a glimpse of like 
the tension that was in that marriage mm-hmm. and and how I'm not saying Buffy's the blame for it, but like how it, it definitely shone a brighter light on those cracks. Um, I, I could see Hank just being the kind of asshole who wants to bail on a problematic daughter. Yeah. Um, he says, so he, he thinks reason. that uh, Buffy thinks she's better than men, which kind of comes back fair. a little later. Yeah. Fair. Men are trash. Mm-hmm. The whole gender is a sinking ship, Buffy. Get off. Um, and he, he's like, Buffy, I'm here to kill you, not to judge you. <laughs> Buffy, I'm here to kill you, not judge you. Uh, so he's gotten that, her opening up, and while she's distracted, he just kind of walks over and like grabs this like Virgin Mary statue off of a of a tomb or a tombstone and just like whacks her with it. Oh, he, she did have another fun line earlier where she says, "I think you're confusing me because you're evil." Yeah. <laughs> so when she goes down, like he tries to bite her, and you know after the commercial, like Buffy's back in the game, and she's just like, "You son of a bitch! I think I'm going to kill you just a little bit more than usual." Um. So they start fighting again. They like crash into like a nearby tomb. Meanwhile, um, Summer's house, Dawn is in the dark. This is where I have my problem with the storyline. She can hear something that sounds nasty growling at her. And she's like, I can hear you breathing. It's like, that's not breathing, Dawn. That is a straight up snarl. Yeah, she's seen more visions of Joyce uh, in the clothes she died in lying on the couch. And then she sees like this creepy like thing. It's all in black, like crouching over her. It's just like a dude in a weird suit. But the, the way they show it is perfect, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, there's just like lightning flashes. So you just see it. Like occasionally you see Joyce is like screaming and holding out her hand towards Dawn. I mean, there are some visuals in this episode that like really get at why something like Twin Peaks is creepy in a way that you can't immediately intellectualize. Like there's just certain visuals that will unnerve you. I think that was one of them. Um, so Dawn starts to like run out. There's like a gale force wind and a voice saying, get out. And then she like decides to stop and she's like, no, I'm going to stay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first is like, cool. <laughs> Jump back into this ashtray. Um, at the high school, Jonathan and Andrew are together again, but lost. Andrew flashes the light over and you see like this. This is another one of those visuals that's super creepy. Like Warren just standing in front of a door, which of course Jonathan can't see. And Andrew's like, yeah, this way. I'm sure. Um, I don't know, it's, it's just something about, I don't know, like this normal life. And if you look a little bit off the edge of the frame, there's something absolutely terrifying looking back at you. Mm-hmm. So the two go through the door. They find like this like dirt floor and Andrew gets out like a pickaxe and starts like going through it. Um, they start digging into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy overpowers like holding the tomb. She's about to stake him. And he's like, okay, are you killing me because I'm evil or because you opened up? Yeah. <laughs> this dude, this dude is like his whole energy is very arch. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost. I don't know. This like, guy definitely had like, the had coke at the party for sure. I kind of feel like this guy is a magical spell that mutant enemy concocted. Because like, what else has he been in? I think I looked it up, and not much. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you've done your three mm-hmm. in our shows. You are done. <laughs> Back to the ether. If you floppy haired goofy boy. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's mean, not, like, quite leading man, you know? So he'd, he'd have to play roles like this, kind of, just like He's, the, like, he's probably, like, when you get invited over to, like, the like the Thanksgiving with, like, someone else's family and, like, the guy you like doesn't like you. And it's, like, this is probably, like, the weirder brother that you didn't realize that you're going to, like, do some under-the-clothes touching with. That's very something. specific. <laughs> you're welcome um i feel like but like imagine if this guy was uh oh shit what was his name that's how boring he was Knox. what if this guy was ben oh he'd have been a way better ben 
Because right? he, he has like a an edge to him. The Ben Ben was just fucking like oatmeal. Um, God, he was boring. Well, again, like the the way that they can suddenly turn a dime to like that very evil mm-hmm. black humor with just the I haven't really kept the chat to me from high school. I'll be looking them up. <laughs> or it's just like, like the biggest thing on my mind is finding out whether or not Trisha Waldman came to my funeral. Like just that dark humor. Yeah. 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 Like, but very like male mm-hmm. dark humor. Um, well then Buffy calls him out he's like oh you vampires are sex and death and love and pain it's all the same to you and he's just like oh my god okay wait a minute I'm gonna ask you a question uh, you know and he's just like was the last person you were in a relationship with a vampire Yeah. boom nailed it and so we, we cut to Spike and that girl from the bar just mm-hmm. like talking as they walk down the sidewalk towards someone's home it's like a, it's just like a like, there's no dialogue in the Spike stuff it's just yeah. like you know where that movie's ending you think um so you see Sunday Library, Willow's explaining what's been going on at Cassie, and Cassie's like, uh, she can see, telling you can see Willow's path all laid out. Willow's talking about how, her. like, she lo- it was so horrible, and she lost herself, and, like, she doesn't trust herself anymore, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the first is Cassie slash, you know, Tara's, like, gaslighting Willow, tell her she's not going to be okay, she's going to kill everybody. Oh, shit. Well, she's saying she, um, she has to stop using magic completely, like, never use it again. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I don't know how much they plotted out, you presume in some fashion. Like she is essentially the linchpin to the mm-hmm. to the end game of the finale. Um obviously I mean, the first would want to get rid of her, yeah. They even tie in the Dawn thing to something later in the second half of the season. Um so after the commercial, the nerds are digging. As they dig, they had that conversation about the, you know, missing high school versus not missing. And like I said Jonathan just gets very, very zen. I still care about them. That's why I'm here. We go back to digging. We see that they're starting to uncover this big ass metal seal with like a Satan goat on it. Nice. Yeah, it's big, like pentagram looking thing. So then back at home, Don's like, which we've never seen, like in all the iterations yeah. of the Hell Mouth before. <laughs> so Don's doing the some weird magic, like throwing some some herbs and spices around. That shit ain't cheap, Don. Uh, it looks like magic glitter at one point. Yeah, I cast you out. I cast you out. Yeah. Yeah. all that kind of I, business it's like is that a real spell or are you just like ad-libbing yeah who knows there's more glass explosions and like just like random like kind of like cuts appearing on her face and stuff like that yeah so buffy's telling holden about spike you know the joke is he loved me his own sick way i didn't want to be loved this is the whole thing where you know she's talking about how she wants to connect with people but she can't because she feels um beneath them which is a nice counterplay to the spike thing but also like you know and all all the boyfriends that she gets with but also they'll never understand her because they they just can't they can't know what she's dealing with which i guess is also a callback to like that douchebag riley um but yeah he's just like yeah everyone feels like they're alone because they are alone until they die and then he's ready to fight and she's like thanks for listening and he's like hey there's some things you can only tell a stranger (laughs) and then she mentioned spike and he's like wait hold it did you say spike that's my sire is that what you call him yeah I do like the, the kind of idea of Buffy this season. Her arc, such as it is, is this inferiority complex about her superiority complex. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's explored, maybe not as well as it could be in the next few episodes, but we do, you know, it's it's an ongoing concern throughout the season for sure. So we go back to Spike and the girl. Uh, we get to her place. She's like trying to lead him upstairs, but he's he backs away like shy and she like, 
she turns back, you know, wanting him to come up and then, you know, come on also to come back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's, it's 2002 James Marsters. Like, like, I mean, hey, he's only 45 the show, then. Well, on this show, who's the King and or Queen of Cunnilingus on this show? Oh, okay. Is right. That in your spike who? fanfic. Am I wrong, dude? I don't know. I, I don't know if we really, uh, gotten the, the message that the, he's all about that. I just I want hey if you're listening give me a ranking of who's the who's getting the gold the silver and the bronze in the Tongue Olympics here okay um, at the summer's house Donna just like screaming into the mailstorm getting knocked around as she like tries to cast I cast you out yeah yeah perfect perfect Dawn impression um, this thing like screams like a death whale and there's, there's like blood splattered on the wall blood splattering on the wall yeah and then and then she kind of like collapses and whimpers and suddenly there's a light. And just like in the abyss and she looks up and uh, there's like ghost Joyce in like a white gown uh, and she well we'll get to her in a bit but we got to go back to uh, Willow and Cassie first and Willow's freaked out she's like what do you mean I'm going to kill everybody if I don't stop using magic and Cassie kind of basically works around to like you know well, there is one way that she could avoid killing everyone Did you ever see it only hurt for a second Rule- yeah do you ever see the movie rules of attraction Willow <laughs> you know it's only gonna hurt for a little bit and then he can be with Tara forever and then Willow's just like wait what who the fuck are you uh hey everyone by the way September is suicide prevention awareness month so take care of yourself check in on your friends um and also watch out for uh pale blonde pixies from uh otherworldly dimensions yeah with purple streaks in their hair yeah um at the cemetery slash tomb Buffy's like, how do you know Spike? And he's like, remember that word you taught me? <laughs> that wasn't just set up. Sire? Yeah, that dude sired me. What's up? Yeah. Uh, he is the king or king of Cunnilingus. And we cut to Spike biting this uh, woman that he'd uh, gone back to her place with and just like fully feeding on her and just like throwing her body on the ground. Uh, yeah. Joyce is telling Don, like, things are going to come in for you. And I love Buffy, but she won't be there for you. Like, when the chips are down, she won't choose you. She'll be, She'll be against you. And Dawn is just like, I'm an idiot. I'll believe that. She's like, I'm still Dawn from the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a little better now, but you know. Uh, then we come back to the basement at the high school where Andrew kind of puts his hand on Jonathan's shoulder when he's crouched down. And and then I like how Jonathan looks over and like now he can see Warren. Like he, mm-hmm. he's suddenly like, what the fuck? And then he gets stabbed by Andrew here. Yeah, and then back to Cassie here. So she's like, "The suicide thing is too far, huh?" Oh, he seems so ripe. Yikes! Yeah, don't be afraid to ask for the help you need, folks. Um, so Willow wants to know who the fuck this chick is. Chick's like teasing her about what uh, her suicide would look like. Candlelight, the Indigo Girls playing. <laughs> so Cassie the villain says that she's done with this whole mortal coil thing. She's going for the big finish, and Willow's like, "From beneath you, it devours." Oh, not it, me, me. And she does like the super creepy smile that just gets wider and wider. And then like her whole mouth opens up all gross and like it's got, like a, a black hole. Which they, they also did. It was the best part of the movie and the trailer for that Lucy Hale movie. Uh, oh, I mean a, a little bit. Yeah, not not quite this, but yeah, like the weird smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Treat well, her there. You know, turn herself inside yeah. out. Lucy Hale didn't work for a trainer to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the music returns. You get a montage of the ending of Jonathan's dead body falling over a the ceiling. A ton of blood. blood leaking out of him. A ton of CGI, CGI blood. blood. Yeah. 
Yeah, feeling all the little intricate crevices of the thing, which is crazy because when they use Spike to fill this thing with blood later, like it's a lot less blood. Yeah, and I think it would have looked a lot better if they just did some practical effects here and just showed like a little bit of it leaking out and like yeah. maybe the thing starts to glow. That scene of Spike like doesn't work because he's making moans like fucking uh, like William Wallace getting disemboweled in Braveheart. And then you see like, They've just done some like paltry shallow cuts on his chest. Oh, and also like it, it's like it feels like it's like the tenth episode in a row that he's been tortured, and yes. you're just like whatever. Like every uh, so many fucking torture scenes with Spike, and it's just I. It's like well, time to check Twitter. This is gonna be boring for two minutes. I just think like James Marsters gets out of the uh, out of the the makeup trailer and he gets on the set, and they're like, all right, get your shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> get in this. Uh, get in these chains. Yeah, that's how we're doing it. Uh, then we what finally. We cut back after seeing Spike wipe his uh, lips. We cut back to Buffy and she's just lowering her stake with the uh, the dust floating away from the vampire. And she's pretty and freaked the, out by that uh, the revelation. Song says, the song says, can I make it right? Can I spend the night alone? Boom. Credits. I mean, I think this might also be in my top five. I well, think this is a really good episode. Like- I just have to downgrade a little because the Dawn segments are just not good. Okay, so let's talk. Who do you think wrote what? Okay, so I, I cheated um, when oh, I was I, I was just looking through trivia and I saw it. So uh, I I would have guessed Marty did the Don stuff, but it was Jane Espenson. Yeah, um, I do wonder how Jane Espenson actually wrote that, and like I don't know, did the director just do his own thing for it? Because mm, I mean, direct the directing makes online. a big difference there, you know. Yeah. The nice thing about the Buffy scripts is you can find pretty much all of them online. Um, and they're they're interesting. Um, yeah, so just so the audience knows, Joss Whedon wrote the Buffy and Holden scenes, which I think is pretty apparent. Marty Knoxon wrote the Willow and Cassie scenes. Jane Esmondson wrote the Dawn scenes. And Goddard wrote the trio scenes. Which, which are, are the best one part of the episode, in my opinion. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would rank them the the nerds and then probably Buffy, then Willow, then Dawn. But like Dawn way down below the rest of them. I feel like on this rewatch, the Willow and Cassie stuff has less of an impact for me. Granted, because I also remembered exactly what it was, whereas there was some mystery in my memory about like the trio and the Dawn stuff. Anyway, uh, apparently later on as Dark Horse Comics was like doing promotional stuff for their Buffy comics, they released a, a special Ouija board that was called Conversations of Dead People. <laughs> Interesting. All right. All right, so... Bring on the night as an episode title. Isn't that kind of weird just because was it an organization? You're thinking of take back the night. Oh, take back the night. Sorry. Yeah. No. Anyway, never mind. Uh, so Marty Knox and Douglas Petrie. This is the last Marty Knox episode. Is it really? That's interesting. Uh, so S seven E ten. Bring on the night. Uh, I've got five for this somehow. I have four. Yeah. I well, I almost do five. So you know. Um, so my number five is uh, I enjoyed Don slapping Andrew at the start of the episode. My number four is Don and Anya having fun torturing Andrew while he's asleep. Mm-hmm. They throw water on him and nothing happens. And Don says, maybe if we throw hot water on him. And Anya's like, good thinking. <laughs> Anya, as always, just shouldering the weight so much on the show to keep it fun. Seriously. Uh, number four, Giles is kind of explaining the whole situation with the first. He's kind of he's laying it on a little bit thick with Buffy and how it all comes down to her 
for you yeah. know for, for plot reasons we have to make you feel like the weight of the world is pressing down on you well it's like jesus fucking christ giles are you trying to give her a goddamn complex yeah. more than usual maybe ease into it can we all have some ice cream while you fucking pile drive everyone of this uh my number three is very weird i like the shot when buffy escapes the uber van like out of the hole and Giles comes running up to her with like the rising sun directly behind him. Yeah, it's a very weird shot because it's, 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 it's like CGI. It's very surreal, I think, yeah. but it's like it's almost surreal. Like I don't know, but it it kind of it kind of furthers that that unspoken vibe you have that there's something off about Giles. Like he's almost not real. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're going with that. The whole the first can't touch people, and it's yeah. like, oh, is Giles touching anyone? Uh, so my- I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Giles does show up in this episode straight up like Basil Exposition. Yeah. Uh, number three, I guess, is when Buffy like declares war at the end there. I mean, it's it's a fine speech. I guess we're just going to get a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, my number two is is ultimately I do like Spike's because she believes in me moment, um, though I think they get there kind of weakly. Uh, my number two is when Buffy and Giles are walking through town and she tells Giles that she missed him. Mm, it's yeah. nice. And number one is Buffy's speech. Um, it'd be great if this was not then watered down by like a bunch more and then everyone turning their back on Buffy. Yeah, my number one is just the fight with the Turrican vampire. It's pretty brutal. Um, pretty cool. So, sure. What do you What do you think of the Uber Vamp? Eh, it definitely. I thought it, it was very lame. It definitely feels like a last season thing where we need like. We need like the the vampire who's like more dangerous than the regular vampire. You know, it's like we have to kick it up a notch because we we need to like make it more. You know, like the stakes are raised. Yeah, and then they'll they'll like uh, purposely like depower these things. Well, they, like so they Buffy just gets her ass kicked by this thing for like two episodes, and then like later on she'll just be like wiping them out left and right. Yeah, I mean they're just like swatting them around yeah. like, the finale, which I think. I think Joss Whedon's gone on record saying like, yeah, it's a continuity error, but whatever. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do a, a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So con- or bring on the night. Um, I feel like we had to do this episode because it's pretty pivotal plot wise. Plot wise it we are introduced to potentials. We get all the download about the first, like it's all here in this episode. It's a slog of an episode. Yeah. And this, Man, I mean, really, after conversations, dead people, even the episodes after that, like Sleeper and Never Leaving, all that, it's just there's no more fun kind of you know wrinkle to the episodes anymore. It's just like this: this is what happens next. This is what happens next. Type of stuff. Never Leave Me is like a Three's Company things in different rooms farces, mm-hmm. but with like people tied up and being tortured for information. Yeah. It's I don't know it's but not in like a not in a oh this is a special episode where it's gonna you know it doesn't it's that doesn't have that kind of feeling of like a gimmick or like we're gonna do something a little bit different here it's just like a lot of scenes moving the plot along yeah and the 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 tone is just very goofy like Mm -hmm. when it's theoretically should be more serious and I don't think that they really I don't know the way they handle the 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 spike being hypnotized thing it it doesn't see i, I found spike track. completely boring this whole half season like it doesn't just fully uncompelled. track like 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 you, like his behavior doesn't make sense i think it doesn't add up to what we'd seen like with angel in the first for example yeah you know where like angel just kind of got like bullied 
whereas like with Spike, it's like I think they reference like the Manchurian candidate and all that, or it's like he can be like triggered to like completely snap. Yeah. Well, it's like why is that the storyline he went with? Yeah. Like how did that like I mean, were you just like thinking like lies my parents told me and then like working backwards? Um which that episode's interesting. Um, I don't know. And again, this is like a different spike. This is like, this is like spike is like Wolverine and like not as like goofy spike that he's been sometimes. I don't know. It's like, there's really like three different spikes on this show. This uh, is it's just like, which, whichever writer that it's like, almost like the spike from like a fanfic or something where he's just like, yeah. you know, tortured and, and lovelorn and, and that's it pretty much. Well, and just the whole, like, like you've never really seen the real me Buffy. Like you don't know what I'm capable of. And it's like, we kind of have. Yeah, we, we we have, Spike. We have. Um. Anyway. So Oops. the bringers have attacked the house. Andrew's tied up. The seal's been opened. The original bad vampires have shown up. Xander makes a meta joke about feeling like he's stuck in a time loop because he's like destined to like be like fixing and cleaning up this broken window forever. Because he's done that like several episodes in a row now. It's like I that think fucking... He was just doing it in the previous episode. Yeah, that window just keeps breaking. Uh, so you've seen that gif, I assume, of the background artist in Quantum of Solace who's like sweeping air. Right, right, yeah. Xander's also doing that Uh-oh. here. Like his broom is not touching the ground. Um, in general, I would fucking love to see the Zillow report on Buffy's neighborhood. I feel like she is single-handedly bringing down property values. Well, I think in general, Sunnydale has like pretty bad property value, right? Now, I'm just saying Ravello Drive mm-hmm. is an extra... Like the noise complaints alone... Like, whatever was going on three nights ago and one month ago in, like, conversations with dead people, the neighbors were like, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, this, this, they're, like, this close to, like, just having, like, cars parked on the lawn, I feel like. <laughs> so the rest of the crew are in research mode, including Anya, who's, like, a snarky joy. Um, Andrew's passed down. It's like Don's, like, slapping around to see if he's faking. Don definitely uh, gets to be more involved in stuff now. Like she gets yeah. to do the research with the rest of them. It's not just like Don go to your room anymore. Um, well, it's like Don's the age that Buffy was when the show started. Yeah, is she? She's still a freshman, she's, right? She, she should be a sophomore this year. Well, it's her first. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't it's know. her first year at, at this the, high yeah, school, okay. which is open. Maybe that's what it is. Um. So the research is turning up nothing. There's a false alarm when Willow thinks she's found the first, but it's just the first bank of Delaware. Hello, well. Uh, and then um, suddenly Joyce shows up. Yeah, and Buffy's just like you're not real, and like she's just like Buffy. I just want you to get some rest, take care of yourself. And I kind of like that. Like it's like the, it's like that's probably good advice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is this the first, or is she dreaming? I don't know. Because yeah, she, yeah, Buffy well, should get some rest. And I, Buffy's like in this whole episode is just like can't rest, like must keep going. It's like you haven't slept in like three days straight or something like that. You could probably take a nap before you go fight the Uber vamp. You know, like when you get home from school and you got a couple hours, like take a nap. Seriously, you've it, the sun has just risen. Mm-hmm. So you've just gotten home. You have until the sun sets. That's at least. Well, e- even if she has to go to work. OK, so you go to work, you gut it through and then like take a nap when you get home, man. Well, you, you, I mean, is she working a full day at this job? Who knows? Does she have to? Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like you do a couple hours and you just like you clench your tummy, your tummy and you're like, oh man, here it comes again. About to come out both ends. Um yeah, so Buffy is asleep, like having a little dream talking. This is the I don't know, like 
the Don stuff would have made more sense if it was happening in a dream and conversations with dead people than me. Because like we've seen kind of the first power set where it's like the first has incredible dream powers and then can appear as a vision of a dead person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah, that's true. Like if if she suddenly woke up and the house was undamaged or something like that, that would have made more it's sense. Just, it's just hard when like it's like oh the first was appearing as like three different entities at the same time and it's just like i don't doubt that that seems likely since the first presumably resides in all of us what did you think about the first showing up as spike to spike i thought that was a little weird less interesting yeah it's less interesting because it's clearly the first you know like the, the when the first shows up as like drew or buffy he might you know, in his like weakened state, think that this is actually them or be confused or whatever. Obviously, if it's himself talking to him, he knows it's not himself. I mean, obviously, they have Drusilla at one point because they probably could only get her for the one episode. Um, Buffy, the Buffy one makes a lot of sense when she's, you know, mm-hmm. in the first appearing as Buffy. I always think of the first as a she. I don't know why. Yeah. I know they, they call the first a he at one point. I guess the I mean, first is really more of a they. She appears. Or, you know, I don't know appear. what pronouns they use for the first. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I guess I because right. it's Buffy quite often, I do think of the yeah. first as a she. Yeah. Well, at the end, it's it's Buffy almost exclusively, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Probably um, some of it because they couldn't get like other actors and whatnot. I kind of wonder if when Spike appears to Spike, if in the script it's supposed to be like Vampire Spike versus or like pre-soul Spike or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's... It, it doesn't translate to the screen or SMG is just like, no man, I'm not doing extra scenes. Yeah. I, you're getting enough out of me as it mm. is. I, um, but like having it be like William would have been one thing. I mean, especially if you're going to do stuff with the mom later, like the, oh, the mom scene is really creepy. Don't you want to just get back inside? Um, or even Cecily. Um, no, we didn't need her like, anymore. Like, for... <laughs> or the guy who like, uh, his poetry is so bloody awful. Bring back that guy. I mean, like something. I don't know. I mean, like, what can we even say about this scene? I'm not even sure what happens, and I've watched it several times now. Where it's just like Turacon Vamp is like dragging Spike, and he's all cut up, and then uh, Spike as the first shows up, and then line. morphs into Drusilla, and it's just like a lot of like taunting Spike, more or less. Well, it's like are you just getting off on like beating up James Marsters? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Like the drowning makes no sense because vampires we've been told don't breathe. Yeah. So I mean, if that, if he could and he's like, he like, dr- like literally drowns, that'd be interesting. Um, the only line from Drusilla that like feels authentic Drusilla is little girls tear like pink paper. <laughs> but like, it's like the dialogue sounds like Drusilla fanfic. Like it doesn't sound like real good season two Drusilla. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of James Marshall screaming. I mean, it's like, it kind of reminds me of like all those bad Mel Gibson movies where he's like constantly like throwing his shoulder out. I don't Even know. Lethal I, Weapon 3. That was cool at the them? time, you know? I mean, you know he's a fucking monster, but like when he like has to like throw his shoulder against like a, like a beam or something like that to set it in place is pretty cool. Doesn't he do it in the squad room at one point too? Mm, I just remember the one from Lethal Weapon 3. I don't know if he's done it other times too. I think he's done it a couple of times. I think Buffy up. actually does that in one of these episodes, doesn't she? Uh, Faith does. Maybe it's Faith, yeah. Maybe Faith as Buffy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I had a point, but it, this is dumb. Sure. I, I don't... This whole episode, yeah, I don't know how much we even want to talk about it because, you know, it's... 
uh, Don and Anya just like roughing up Andrew here and throwing water in his face. And well, it seems like Andrew's going to be like your um, your fountain of exposition, but it's like then he just doesn't tell him anything. Yeah, well, then Giles shows up, and it's like cool. That's what we wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's not you know you want Giles back, but it's not the same. Um, They seem to have found out off screen that Andrew killed Jonathan. Because Warren was there, like I, I don't recall him ever telling them that exactly. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. But he he leads them down to the basement where like the seal is, and they're like, "Yep, we should bury that again." So they start burying it, and they see like all the the blood on the uh, like altar that they you know blood spike from. It's interesting that they brought Dawn to this too. Yeah, well, it's crazy to me how many people who shouldn't be at this high school are just. Not not only getting on the premises, but getting like in the basement. Yeah, and then they they're like walking this back is, with shovels. Post Columbine, baby. Yeah, walking back with shovels, and they're just like, "Oh, Principal Wood, what are you doing here?" Also with the shovel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well like, see you later. I don't fully remember where that was going. I mean, obviously, I know him like looking for um, Spike who killed his mother, but like. Like the whole thing where like the effect that it might be having on him of his office being directly over the hell mouth. I don't remember if that actually goes anywhere. Is he being brainwashed too, I presume? No, I don't think so. I I, I don't know. Well, I can't remember, but I think it's kind of a so fake out. burying random dudes I, in the woods I, for no reason. I think where this is going is that it's a fake out and we're supposed to not trust him. And then we're going to find out that he's actually the son of a slayer and he's like has his own business that's going on. And he was just like, hiding a body or something okay uh, because yeah. like i don't know i i enjoy wood in this half of the season i think he's fun when he shows up i wish they weren't doing the fake out with him because they're just like every once in a while they just have to be like "Ooh, what's he up to you know and it's like he's just more fun as a character rather than like a, a twist yeah i feel like like ultimately he doesn't I don't know. Like they don't do don't they don't do them right. Um, I think they could have just spent more time developing him. You know, like I said, as as a character rather than being like well, we don't know about this guy, so he's just going to be kind of cryptic and weird. And then like finally we're going to be like, aha, this is what's really going on. Like I don't know, just make him a regular character. Because I mean, like at the end of Lies, my parents told me Spike basically like cucks wood into oblivion, um, and then the dude <laughs> <Does> eventually. <he? laughs> Yeah. How does he do that? Because he like you know like the so as I as I remember it, Giles and Wood have teamed up to trick Buffy so that Wood can like turn Spike evil again and then like kill him and get his revenge because he has like the garage full of crucifixes. Mm, okay, kind of like your mom's wall, mm-hmm. but like a whole garage of it. Um, and then Spike gets free and he like he's like basically been cured. I was cured all right. Like he turns on the music and he's just like, listen up, bitch. Like, like it's a fine little ditty there. I'm fixed now. I'm not like the bad asshole that you thought I was. I'm not necessarily a good guy. Whatever. It's like he's, I don't know. It's like it basically like he's like almost like shames Wood for like having this hmm. kind of understandably righteous yeah. like desire for revenge. And then it feels weird now in retrospect where it's like essentially then Wood starts having sex with one of his mom's like basic coworkers. Who Faith? Yeah. Well, just the one time, right? Well, I, I think they kind of like, well, I don't know. I think in the comics they imply they dated. But like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, obviously, it's not like, like Faith is closer to your age, so probably still much younger. Um, It's just weird. Like, you're upset about your mom 
dying, so you end up having sex with but, a slayer. Sure. I don't know why not. <laughs> like, 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 like Spike's the world's going to end. Back inside. Yeah. Yeah. Hook up. Uh, Xander and Andrew bond over an issue of Wonder Woman, which I 100% doubt that either of them have ever read Wonder Woman. Yeah, I can see that. Also, I don't know if I were wood and I had to go bury a body like out by like a oil rig in the middle of like, uh, you know, L.A. County or whatever. I would uh, uh, change out of the suit. That's yeah. just me. Like I would I would make a pit stop change into, I don't know, some like clothes I could throw away or something. And look at this guy. We know he looks good in a black turtleneck of a black leather jacket. Sure. Like this is he's got, he's got a hunky physique. Like what was he like the president's brother? Right on twenty four. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He became the Does president. He become the eventually. president too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he also gets kind <laughs> of assassinated. Like, I think. What's up? Yeah. I'm Jeb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, he Please can't clap. wear that suit to work the next day. Like, what are you doing? He's like, man, I got a whole closet of mm-hmm. identical suits. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. There's the, the whole the thing about the time capsule. It's kind of funny. Like, like it's a season one joke. Red uh, Bull and Jackass. Yeah, <laughs> boy, were we ever? Uh, back at Summer's house, like like Don's doing computer research, Bill's doing locator spell. Um, Danner's like, "Hey, Buffy, get some rest," and she's like, "Can't, bro." Oh, Burst. it is pretty cool in the first like possesses Willow. It's a nice little plot device to be like, "Nope, we're gonna we're gonna make sure magic isn't too much of a crutch for you." <laughs> you only make me stronger. Yeah, it's like really the, the weird like ghost thing explodes out of Willow. Which I think is the same thing I think so. we saw in Amends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, that's cool. She like that wasn't breathes like fire and lightning at Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Buffy's like, okay, hey everybody, <laughs> we're B. not gonna do magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Buffy's about to go out, and she opens the door. And, oh shit! It's Giles, and he's like, I brought some potentials. Don't worry, they're all the worst. <laughs> uh, including yeah. Kennedy. Including Kennedy. I have to say, I, I haven't watched past episode eleven. I've only watched first half of season. I haven't minded Kennedy so far. She's like the competent one, the kind of like the like no bullshit one, which I appreciate yeah. because some of those other potentials, they suck. I mean, Eve, thank God Eve was dead because she was definitely the worst of them, that fucking accent. But like Chloe and Rona are just constantly like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. Like, you don't have a plan. We're, we're going to try like like they just like whine and bitch and moan constantly. And at least Kennedy's just like you know saddle up like grab a weapon like you know like yeah. we're gonna do our jobs type of thing and eventually we'll get a felicia day mm-hmm. um yeah she shows I, up I in the next though, episode my my issue of kenny though is her first line so this is the slayer huh <laughs> it's like okay and john's like sorry to bother jen we've got a slight apocalypse <laughs> um i guess also again, kennedy's supposed to be older right so I, th- I, I think she know. mentions like that she might have aged out of it of being a slayer because I mean mm. presumably she's like Willow's age, so it's not like weird that they're dating. Like you wouldn't want Willow dating like a so she's twenty seventeen year old or something, you know. But yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, yeah. just like not a teenager. Yeah, I like that. Like uh, Kennedy's line later is seemingly harmless. Like, but like, like Willow's just like, oh shit, I got the vibes hardcore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then we follow it up with Don saying. Does she want to eat right after uh, Kennedy comes on to Willow? Yeah, dirty Joss. We see your so fingerprints. The queen, yeah. the queen of the cunnilingus is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is also Giles is like, look, here's my new thing. I'm all about personal space and keeping my hands in my pockets. It's also a hell of a jacket that he's got on. It's yeah. like this like big corduroy coat situation. 
oh oh so let's talk about they've just they've just been blown up in the previous episode the watchers council is gone mm-hmm. i have been i watched it r.i.p uh uh Travers. Travers, yeah harris ulin um, I've been scratching my head for the last 24 hours as to whether or not they are more or less effective than the U.S. Congress <laughs> during a pandemic. <laughs> I like that he's like, let me start a speech. And then we like cut to outside and almost like a almost like a like a jokey SNL yeah. skit yeah. like setup. <laughs> and then kaboom. It, it looks like file footage of an explosion or something. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's no way Giles survived that accident. <laughs> do they ever follow up on that? Like, do they like flash back I to it they, when we we learn that he's not the first i think they do and if i remember correctly it looks like they just did another take where he like like catches it mm-hmm. like, ah yeah but it reminds me so much of like you remember when you would play guns with your friends as a kid and you'd be like nope that bullet flew right past yeah. me." yeah <laughs> pretty much uh yeah so after the commercial the new girls are all lined up like they're on display and jobs is like let me explain the whole damn thing to you so they're potential slayers the harbingers are out killing it's people. just like these Other are my women too. <laughs> me boys me girls i like the simple pleasures in life like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth uh, what do you think about these potentials doing, other than kennedy here could you see us doing that movie at some point boogie nights yeah sure yeah yeah that'd be fun that'd be sexy mm-hmm. that'd be weird uh if you went to five or the ten uh future episode title um it's weird. I, I kind of was wondering if in the writing of this, did they forget which of the potentials was which? Because the one chick who seems like the sensible one is the one later who like bolts. That comes out of nowhere. Just completely yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. Like Annabelle ran away. And it's like, why? Like you did nothing to set that up at all. It's not like she well, was I, like, it, you know, you could have had her be scared and nervous and like not sure if they should be there the whole time or something like that. But no, you didn't do any of that. That's so why I was like, did, was that meant to be the other actress? And they just <laughs> fucked up. It's <laughs> like, actually, we like you better. So we're going to kill off the other one. Yeah. Um, the one's like Australian or something, right? I don't even know what that accent is. But like the the clearly Chav one is the one that she keeps like correcting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then like that's the one who doesn't run away mm-hmm. along with Kennedy. Anyway, so uh, we get the flash letting us know that all those random scenes of girls getting killed internationally, like including the run, the little run girl, um, were all potentials getting killed. Yeah. You know, in my mind, I had thought that it didn't take this long for the potentials to really show up, but yeah, 10th episode before they show up. Well, it's like, okay, this is a whole other show now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get, you know, the, the quick flash of that scene of Giles, you know, uh, when he happens upon, uh, was it Ronson? <laughs> sure. That dude's creepy. Um, so Buffy mentions like this, you know, this must be part of the end game, kill potentials and then faith and then her and there'll be no more Slayer, which I would think like, is that how it works? Like, couldn't theoretically like another unborn person or a younger person just become a potential later in life? Yeah. I, like, does the energy have to be alive to pass? That seems kind of crazy. It always seemed to me that like there's always going to be a new slayer like no matter what this whole potential thing is like yeah. a new wrinkle where suddenly they like know who the potential slayers are and all that business well also and that the potentials have watchers mm-hmm. like the and that there's like, like a finite amount of potentials like it just wouldn't keep bouncing to the next person in line yeah yeah it it seems like whatever <laughs> this is what we need yeah. to be to make it seem dire um and i like that they mentioned fave here because at this point i'm pretty sure reading that i was reading that they like weren't sure if they could get Eliza Dushku back. And they, like, they do. They get her on Angel for a few episodes and then she comes over to Buffy. 
But I mean, we're like, were they just going to do a thing where it's like Angel calls Buffy and he's like, bad news. Faith got shivved in the <laughs> prison. Hey, Don, it's me. It's Buffy there. Thanks. Click. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. So this is this is Angel season four, right? Yeah. So he's gone bad. Cool. 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 Oh, and then um, so and Cordy mention- is uh, possessed. Right. Oh, the less we say about it, the better. Mm-hmm. That and Connor. <laughs> Fucking Pete Campbell. Oh. Not great, Angel. It's a shameful, shameful season. <laughs> so Willow mentions that they haven't, you know, found much on the first. And Giles is like, oh, that's because it predates written history. Yeah. Even though, like, I, I know you had a book about this. Three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it rarely shows its true face. Um, Giles informs that the council is dead, which was like 15 people in that building at most, even though they mentioned the like, international. What I would think there'd be more people in this organization. Whatever. Um, well, there we there. It's mentioned in the next episode that like someone says like watcher calls and is like, hey, that girl's supposed to be here by now. So not all the watchers are dead. There are still other watchers out there, but they're pieced out. Yeah. Also, we get a thing earlier with uh, um, Harris Eulen where it's like we find out that like Giles basically quit when he left Sunnydale, which, you know, I, I got to say, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Giles is like, I can do this job from anywhere like England. I feel like maybe stop paying him. Um, so we find out that all that's left of the mystical secrets of the council can fit into these chicks' backpacks. Uh, Giles fills us in on the first power set. It can only take the form of someone who's died. It's non-corporeal, so it has its agents, the bringers. I feel like it's never really spelled out. In theory, I like the idea that these guys are blind and they're kind of being guided by the first. Yeah, they don't really do much to explain the bringers and like, are they just humans? Like, where are they demons? Where do they come from? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not exactly my blue-eyed boys, if you know what I mean. Kennedy is like, why did we come to the Hellmouth? That seems like it's yeah. the root of all evil. Let's get the fuck out of here. And Giles is like, uh, anyway, it's all on you, Buster. You're the only one who can protect these girls and the world. So Buffy's like, cool, let's get back to finding Spike. Yeah, we really need Spike. I mean, is he really going to be that useful? Just like another kind of, you know, super strong fighter. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's that much of an asset personally. Yeah. I mean, does he have any like magical jewelry he can wear or anything like that? Um, So Anna's like, great. If he's not crazy, you're killing people, which fair question. Good question. And and Um, then there's like a 35 minute scene where he's getting tortured by Drusilla. And there's like a clear visual thing where Drusilla is like teasing him with that old pussy magic. And it's like, what is happening here? Who is Yeah, she like this? raises her skirt up. Yeah, yeah. She's just like shaking it. And he's just like, uh, not in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know that I can uh, give me at least thirty minutes. <laughs> I don't know that I can, in the parlance of the show, get it hard and service the girl here. Especially not with this fucker watching me. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the the Turacon. He's a vampire, right? I guess. Yeah. He's so the, ne- the like, Neanderthals to humans type of vampire, yeah. Rather than, like, um, you know, feeding him blood, they're like, just drown Spike for, for a full day. And he's just like, really? I'm a little peckish. Uh, so anyway, in town, it's Christmas again. Buffy and Giles are, like, walking through, recapping the the stuff with the first back in the men's. I mean, I feel it's like just it's a lot of just plot, because yeah. I feel like it's Christmas solely because of amends. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? So she can go back to the Christmas tree lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just that. And it's like, 
Also, it's like the mid-season finale because this was the mid-season finale. Like we had to wait like a month for more Buffy after this, mm-hmm. I remember. So then uh, um, it's kind of making the kind of betting arrangements here at the summer house. Uh, I think this is where Andrew asked Xander, like, how long have you been following Buffy? And he's like, I don't follow her. She's my friend. Um, but yeah, Willow is trying to figure out like where people can sleep. And Kennedy kind of like manipulates the situation so that she gets to sleep in Willow's room. And she's like, you better not hog all the covers. And like Willow's lesbian spidey sense is going off. Oh, and she says it like um, super directly with like, like, you know, full eye contact there. Yeah. And then Dawn says, does she want to eat? Oh, Joss. I'm refraining from comments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird, but on the Hulu version of this, Willow's like, whoa, whoa, what reaction is not mastered like the rest of the episode. Oh, really? It looks like, you know, like when you like, they squeeze like a deleted bit of footage oh, back yeah. into a movie on a special feature. It like, was really weird. Huh. I'm like, was this cut for broadcast or something? Um, so the girls are hungry. Someone has burnt mac and cheese. How do you burn they mac suggest- and cheese? Yeah, what do, what are you suggest- burning? You boil. I don't know. Maybe they're not making like the craft kind. It's in a pan. So I don't know. Like maybe they just, I don't know why you'd ever it. not make the craft kind, but. I guess, maybe they just didn't put water in it. Mm. I don't know. But uh, so someone's just pizza. And the they don't know you're supposed to put water in there. <laughs> it's like dumping the the dry noodles <laughs> into a pot and turning it on, turning the the flame on. Yeah, I guess that yeah. would catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one girl's like, if you get pizza, make sure it's plain. I'm a vegetarian. It's like, okay. What Weird. does her shirt say? It says like kills something in 10 seconds. Kills germs, maybe. Yeah, I think it says kills germs in 10 seconds. Mm, mm. And not Annabelle. I, don't, I can't remember what this chick's name is. It, there's a Chloe and Rona show up and an Eve. What was her name? I have to look it up. Oh, I just remember the incredibly creepy scene where Xander has a dream about all the potentials visiting him in bed. Ooh. I, I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the second yeah. half of the season. And he's just like, uh, give me a minute before I get up. Yeah, this is Molly. That's right. Molly. Good name. Um, yeah. Everyone likes Molly. Uh so Christmas tree lot, Buffy and Giles looking for the spot. Um Buffy just like <laughs> falls straight through some like you know, boards down into the cave there. Yeah. Um Slayers will be like, I know a spot, and then they'll take you to the Christmas tree lot. Uh yeah, she falls in like it's a tiger trap. Um <laughs> investigates the spooky cave, which has like massive stalagmites throughout it, not tights, mites. Um, with someone skulking around after her, it's the Uber vamp. They start fighting. Buffy gets her ass kicked, and she eventually just has to like climb back up and get away. Uh, oh, she stakes it. And it's yeah, like, she, she stakes and it, it, and out. it's just like. Mur, mur, mur. Uh, so Giles notably does not like pull her up at all. She like gets fully out, and then he comes running up. So he didn't make any physical contact. Weird shot of him in front of the sun. So like the sun is the only thing that like hurts these uber vamps yeah yeah so it can't follow because of that which makes sense um yeah so in the morning uh you know it's morning now the sun's risen buffy and giles come back home to the kitchen potentials are like sitting in the kitchen um, kennedy seems like the kind of girl who just makes herself at home yeah 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 she's like i borrowed your jacket i hope you don't mind yeah or, or ooh, even weirder and worse that i've seen in like i don't know, like three netflix psychological thrillers in the last six months oh. the uh um uh, this is my jacket what are you talking about Ooh, one of those Ooh, yeah um so buffy got attacked by something and giles is like shouldn't we discuss this in private um and giles knows you know 
exactly what the fucking thing is, of course. Doesn't have any books on the first, but he knows what this thing is. And like I said, Neanderthal version of the vampire, the vampire, the vampire's fear, whatever. But I feel like, are you saying that he also eats humanized vampires? That would be something. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just feel like they don't like, like Buffy doesn't want to admit she just got her ass kicked in front of these people. Like, does the whole spike is creating more vampires like go anywhere? I think it just leads to that scene where a bunch of them all come out of the ground and it's scary and like, you know, Buffy's getting held down, but then she manages to fight them all off and stake them all. And that's it. Cause at least like in like the twilight movies, they were like, this is the thing. Like, we're expressly building an army. Like, I don't know. Like that was also first... had where like the new vampires are stronger, which is stupid. Yeah. The first is just like, it's a glory thing where she's like, the first is like, I'm here. I, mean, I guess it, it makes a little more sense. Cause the first chill can't actually do anything physically. So, well, it's like seemingly the first wants to just end the mortal end the whole thing, like end the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Which seems like, okay, what do you, doesn't that I mean, make, I guess you could like, say the first like in is a matrix sense. The, does that like get rid of your power source? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you could say the first is dispatching all the potentials, trying to kill the Slayer, and like gathering recruits that can help open up the seal on the Hellmouth and like get more and more Tarakon vamps out. Like it, at least there's a progression there. You know, like, I mean, it, there, like it's escalating. I feel like Willow got closer to ending the world in the end of the last season. Yeah. Um, I that mean, like, episode, I by the way, is rough. At times, I'm just like, maybe Buffy could like open a door, and like the architect and the Matrix could be there to explain everything to us. The eventuality of the system anomaly. Uh, I like when uh, there are levels of survival we're prepared to accept. When Buffy's googling uh, manifestations of evil, and then Wood shows up, and she's like, "In the movies." <laughs> um, oh, so this is when she's just like, "No, man, I went up for 48 hours straight plus." Got any blow? I'm go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go to work so she starts googling it um jesus christ this is uh also is this computer of hers is this a real computer um i think that was one of those imacs they only made those a lampshade imac they only made one generation of them but yeah that was the first g4 imac they made it they were pretty cool it looks, looks fucking weird yeah it was like a, it had this like a little like kind of dome thing where the computer was and then it was just like an arm on a screen kind of looks it like the looks- pixar thing it looks like something that Elroy Jetson would look up porn on. Mm-hmm. They were pretty cool. Um, I remember when those came out. They were hot shit. But I think they must so, not cooled very well because they went abandoned that design pretty quickly. Yeah, so Robin Wood is like, from where he's standing, he can 100% not see her screen, but he can see her screen. And he's like, I'm not a fan of scary movies because once you've seen True Evil, you can't unsee it. And she's just like, take it down a notch, boss. <laughs> Like you're a little too hands on and weird. And why is my why is my counselor's cubicle a cubicle? Do, do they why ever like kids? go on a date or anything? There's an episode called First Date. Do they date? Yeah, they okay. go on one date. Because I, I was trying to remember. It seemed like there was some brief hint of romance there. Yeah. Um. I just like when she has the the is it in this episode where she has the dream and she wakes up and the kids like. I think it's in the a next episode. Yeah. Okay, and it's like, why do you have a cubicle? Like, there's no way you're expecting children to come in and tell you about their hopes and fears and anxieties when everyone can hear you. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Um, so there's another 10-minute anyway. scene of uh, Spike getting tortured while Drew's weird and the Turrican beats him up. Oh, oh, back to Wood real quick. 
after he does his like Patrick Dempsey and Scream thing, you know, um, she's like, what kind of movies do you like? And he's like, oh, me? Mysteries. I love finding out what's underneath it all in the very end. He turns around and he has the biggest, cheesiest grin on his face for some reason. <laughs> like he's just like, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Great interaction. She's going to be like, what's up with Robin later? Yeah. Anyway. Um, Spike th- torture. This is what I'm talking about. Blah, blah, blah. The, the like, yeah, like a good wriggle and a giggle and a squiggle. I, it's supposed to be sexy, but it's cartoonish. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, um, I guess it makes sense because it's not really Drew, but yeah. I like that he's like, Drew is crazier than you. <laughs> yeah, you're not Drew. She was crazier than you. Um. <laughs> So at the school bathroom, Buffy's like checking her bruises through her blazer, which zips all the way. I, yeah, I had a note about that too. She's got like zipper sleeves on her blazer here. Very strange. Ladies, is that a thing? Like maybe in the nineties it was or two thousands. Like you're just like let's check in with my forearms. <laughs> anyway, um, so suddenly she's in her home bathroom and Joyce is there, telling her she worries about her. Um, she's just like you know, I think your friends put too much pressure on you, Buffy. Evil isn't coming. It's already here. It's always here. I just feel like they went to the effort of getting Christine Sutherland back. They should have like given her a little bit more meaty material to play. Yeah. Or have this, like have this not be her last episode. She should like, like, I don't know, say something really impactful or spooky or like some real good information comes from her. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause I guess presumably it's like the, the thing where like the, the devil will tempt you with the truth. Yeah, Yeah. It's like, it's like if if Joyce just keeps showing up and telling Buffy to like take care of herself and like hydrate and like get therapy and get some rest and stuff like that, and Buffy's just like, oh, I feel the pressure to do the opposite of all of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, um, okay, I was wrong. The, the where she wakes up is this it's episode right here. here. Yeah, it's a kid named Roger who's just fuck like, off, Roger. <laughs> he's like, well. <laughs> Presumably he's like, I just told you my whole life story and you just swinged right to sleep. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Awesome for myself. Yeah, you to suck, see. Roger. Meanwhile, Robin Wood's like just watching from with disdain from his office. Mm-hmm. I just, anyways, I can't believe they would have her in a cubicle for this job. It's crazy. Um, which is it's a made up job. He's like just keeping her close. Anyway. Summer's house, everyone's tooling up. They point out the sun will be set in a few minutes. Um, it's a bad idea to be here, I think, because they don't even have windows. Yeah, there had to have been better places that they could like hold up and make their stand, or at least like like set a trap, you know? Yeah, I mean, another residence. I get that is should vampires come, but like clearly the harbingers are like just like fucking up your house. Like the the vampire comes up and he thinks he's entering a a room, but it's actually like a false floor and it's all holy water in there or something. I don't know. Like I feel like there's stuff you could try. How long would that take to set up? I don't know. They had Xander in a backhoe. Uh, get to work, Xander. That's what you're good for. Mm-hmm. Um, so Willow apologized for not being able to do anything with her magic. You no, know, she's going to try. Um, she's she's going to try to do spells. She's just like not sure how well it'll work. Well, she points out that you know she knows Buffy needs help, but Buffy will never admit it. Kennedy's like, potentials want weapons. And finally, Buffy's just like, fine, tool up. Um. Andrew's feeling weird about all this, wants to be untied. He's like a super nerd about it. You know, I, I like, I do like this line. I just wish it was from a different character, a different context. I admit that I went over to the dark side, but only to pick up a few things. And now I'm back again. <laughs> I think it's, I, I, I like, that's a great line. Use it somewhere else. I think it's in the next episode when I think it's Rona where like Buffy just like hands her a sword and she's like, Oh, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like, use your brain, man. Come on. 
Come on. Potentials. Have you never seen a movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is like the the harmless weapon they could give them? Like a big hammer? I feel like you do not want to give them crossbows. No, Although no, I guess no, no, Kennedy no, no. demonstrates it like she knows how to use it. I don't know if that's here in the next uh, episode, but Kennedy at least knows how to use a crossbow, but I wouldn't trust any of these other people with one. I would think like a bludgeoning weapon. Would be... no, I think like a spear or something, something long range, you know? Well, but I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like this is the thing where it's like, you know, I mean, I'm anti guns in general, but like, I wouldn't hand a gun to somebody who had no training because they're going to hurt other people as much as they might hurt themselves. I give them like spears and then they do like the training from Army of Darkness. Mm, mm. Don't they do a whole training montage in Storyteller? Maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, everywhere in the house, uh, Buffy's like looking out windows and Giles comes to counsel her, but poorly. (laughs) Yeah, Giles kind of sucks this season. Yeah. Giles is just like, like, like after last season, he's just like fucking done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, with the show as well. Like, wanted to like, move man, back to England. I quit like four times, like in the last two seasons. I don't know how much harder I can quit, Buffy. So we go from uh, like Annabelle, Molly, and Kennedy are all like tooling up, and like Annabelle like just picks up like a big battle axe, and then like Buffy goes into the other room to talk to Giles. And then, like, Molly comes in. And it's just like, Annabelle ran away. And it's like, why? There was, it's like, there was never any Wait. suggestion that that was going to happen. Oh, so it is Annabelle who ran away, yeah. not Molly. Yeah, Annabelle's okay. the one who ra- runs away. Okay, so Annabelle's the one who seemed like she had, like, not only the most level head about things, but, like, the easiest to deal with. Like, she didn't have Kennedy Snark. She seemed pretty well little, adjusted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly um, she's and just running like, away and, like, clutching a, her cross. And then she just gets got immediately by the Turacon vamp. It's like well, there's, she ran away straight to like the warehouses. Yeah, the, the docks. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, uh, but like there's no there, there's like 19 speaking parts in this episode, so you don't you can't get into who these people are. Mm-hmm. If there was something where it's like she's been like secretly being tormented by the first this whole time, it's like okay, that's something. But whatever. So Buffy shows up. She finds this dead girl's body, and she's like, "Welp." And then the Turacon shows up, and Buffy just gets the shit kicked out of her a lot, pretty much. Um, it is kind of cool seeing them his go th- face. Yeah, it is kind of cool seeing them go through like this whole like uh, I don't know docks area. There's all these like construction and I beams and they're ducking in and out of stuff. It's neat. I just felt like like we're just going through the motions here. Yeah, I mean this this Uber vamp's got like an almost like Joker esque grin. I mean, I, it, um, I guess it does seem threatening at first. She drops a bunch of pipes on it. It just gets right back up. Buffy's limping away. and My problem is that it feels not Buffy because it doesn't talk. I guess that's part of it, yeah. And then Buffy just gets like thrown through a wall and like has a bunch of shit fall on her. And I guess then the Turakon vamp just like peaced out. Because then yeah. it like cuts to like Xander, Giles, and Willow like pull off some rubble. And they're like, oh, Buffy, you're all bloodied up. I guess the vampire just left you here. The first could have been done, you know, by Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's just more Spike being tortured by Drusilla. Well, Drusilla's like, do you know why you're alive? You know, what makes you think you will ever be any good at all in this world? And he's like, she does because she believes in me. It's like, that's nice. I just wish we didn't have to watch everything leading up to this. Um, Buffy's like sitting in a room in a chair back at home, with, like bruises all over her face, really nailing the like, 
I am fucking shook. Mm-hmm. Everyone's uh, talking about her in the other room. Yeah. Loudly. And Giles is like, oh, this is so shitty. We could make plans as we always do. But the truth is, Buffy was our plan. There is no backup. And it's like, fuck you. Are you trying to ensure a crisis of confidence in this layer? Goddamn. And then she has to come God in damn. and give her speech about how she's going to declare war on the first and all of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah it's a good speech, but anyway, it's a real it's a real turning a loss into a victory strategy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, yeah. So last writing credit for Marty Knoxon. It's wild to me. Hmm. That's strange. I mean, she was a showrunner at this point. And yeah, I, th- I mean, maybe she's just busy rewriting everyone else. I think this was the season where Joss was doing this and Angel and Firefly all at the same time. So yeah, it, it was like super spread thin uh, when this is all going on. Yeah. 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 Um, and I know like she kind of followed like well, as we talked about in conversation with dead people, she kind of followed his model of like not taking a writing credit for like the extensive rewrites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that might have been where she was busy too. Yeah, well, I wonder because a lot of those episodes in the second half of the season are just it's like, oh, that's just the same episode happening again. It's like I'm trapped I mean, in hell. Yeah, I mean it's it's they've just Having the potential show up in episode 10, I just, I feel like they really wrote themselves into a hole. Because they, I think they wanted us to get to know all these potentials, but other than it's like, okay, Kennedy's the one who's dating Willow and the rest of them are just kind of there. Well, and there's two women of color, I think. And then a lot of like white girls. Yeah. And a lot of the white girls just kind of blend into each other. And then. I don't know. It's like one of them has red hair, you know, like yeah. one of them was Southern, but then she dies after one episode. So one is very tall and lanky. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, Don's um, not a potential. Although it's funny. That's gotta be like a, like a, a turnaround. Cause like I was looking at the, the Hulu like episode synopses and there's like blah, blah, blah episode. Like Don finds out she's a potential. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She definitely does not. Um. Anyway, complaints. <laughs> um. I mean, I think we've addressed a lot of them, but let's see. So I feel like they they somewhat lost the thread of Buffy's character this season. Uh, she's got the inferiority complex about her superiority complex. It's set up well, and then it's like two episodes about her being concerned about Spike, and it's yeah. just like, ooh, it seems like we were on something there. And then we focus on Spike for two episodes and then a bunch of potential show up and suddenly Buffy's just kind of like hard edged and speechy a lot. And like, I don't know, just bad character work. Well, you know what I think is also not well addressed is Buffy having a a reaction to the incident from last season. The sexual assault. Yeah. Like, it seems like it's just like filed away more of like, this is just like a relationship that didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like they were never willing to commit to what you would need to commit to for that storyline. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's like they, they have him like very obliquely reference it at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like the, I feel like she deserves a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, he's on this whole like epic, you know, hero suffering storyline, which I don't think is fully sp- played out right and it's 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 too much for one character yeah definitely. Uh, i mean like at this point like 
like Xander's almost a non-entity compared to like Spike on this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let's see. I also have all the Spike scenes getting tortured by the bringers in Turrican. It just it gets super boring. Yeah. And then um, Giles in general is not. We should be like, thank God Giles is back, but he's just kind of like a buzzkill. And he's just immediately like, Buffy, this is all on you. And it, it just feels like that's there for the plot more than like it being organic that like Giles would say that. Like Giles just I mean, seems think, like he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're going for something here that doesn't fully play out. Like, I guess the idea is that like Buffy needs to like metaphorically like kill her, her mentors. <sighs> I guess. But it doesn't it doesn't seem to if that is indeed their intention, it's not telegraphed yeah. properly. I feel like the first, like, there's a really, I don't know, it's it's like two different seasons. The first, like, psychologically torturing them is one thing. And then, like, the bringers and the Turok Han and all that is something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't they don't fully jibe together. Yeah. Um, if you can make one change. Oh, man. I don't even know. Like, it needs... Uh, around this time of bring on the night it needs a smoother transition into this other thing i mean i feel like it's not one change it's a whole bunch so i had one it's obviously you wouldn't say the season anyway but um i would have liked and I, i'm sure this is like because they're working as smg schedule but it would have been cool if willow came with the hoffron to the uh like the frat house or whatever for the final scenes in selfless i would like that willow there and like maybe when Xander went out to chase Anya if we could have gotten a little scene with uh, Willow and Buffy just kind of like because I feel like we got like some really strong stuff from Willow in the episode and then she was just kind of like peace I'm out I'm gonna be gone for like 20 minutes this episode so maybe like maybe even a follow-up with Buffy about the whole kick his ass and all that business oh yeah well and and again it's still it's a massive deficit of the you know Buffy and her best friend having conversations mm-hmm. yeah about how are you <laughs> all right they're all like in passing like oh don't worry we won't do magic for a while honey mm-hmm. so uh power rankings i got 16 i also have 16 okay can you guess who my number 16 is oh is it uh how it is oh, oh worse. she's not even on my yeah. list is she no she's not yeah, she is. uh my number 16 is the Turrican Uber Vamp. Okay, I did him at 15. Yeah. It's just kind of wah, wah, wah. Um, so I only watched like a handful of these, including Bring on the Night, obviously. So that's why I have, um, well, I, I have that wrong. Sorry. I, number 14, I have Andrew. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually did watch them all 11. So I got the full taste. Um, my number 14 is just the potentials. Hmm. Um, so cue what I was about to say. My number 14 is Kennedy. <laughs> Do you have any of the other potentials higher than her? Nope. Okay. I didn't know the one chick's name was Molly until you told me in this this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the first at number 13, just because I feel like the first really isn't getting it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I have at 13. I have Holden slash Cassie. Okay. Um, I've got Olaf, the troll at 12. <laughs> I did put Olaf on here. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, at 12, I have Joyce. 
Oh, I did not even put Joyce on here. I, I think I just kind of called I'm calling her the first. So she's included in that. Uh eleven, I've got Andrew, who mm. I mean, I don't know. He's he's like kind of became a fan favorite, I guess. Like he's he's kind of like an audience avatar. Like at least especially yeah, yeah, in the yeah, second he, half of the season. Yeah, by a time of storyteller, I think it's a we're aware that he's the proxy for the audience. Yeah. yeah. Um so this is a weird one mm-hmm. here. At number 11, I have Giles. Oof. Yeah, well, I've got him at 10 for, I'm sure, the same reasons. He's yeah. just not very good. Doesn't want to be there, man. It, it just Anthony Ed does not want to be there. Does not want to be there. He's just like, couldn't I be recording albums? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at 10, I have Xander. Okay, I actually have him higher. Uh, nine, I've got Holden Webster. Hmm. Webs. Webs. Uh, at nine, I've got Robin Wood. Oh shit! I forgot to put Robin Wood on here. I would probably put him around. Oh no, wait. I do have. Him. Never mind. I just don't have his first name. Okay. Uh, number eight, I've got Tahafrin. Okay. At number eight, I have the first because I like. I really like the idea of this character. I'll put it that way. I think I liked him more than, or they more in the amends. I think they is probably or, more, or just the, amends. The I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I have Principal Wood at number seven. Okay. Why you just like him? Like the cut of his jib? As I mentioned earlier, I think other than them trying to mislead us about like his true nature, I think he's a fun character. He's mm. kind of a, brings a different vibe to dealing with Buffy. Like I don't know, he doesn't he doesn't have that Snyder ish like full suspicion thing to him. Mm. He's just kind of like, huh, you're kind of weird. <laughs> I uh, I mean, there's part of me that would, you know, would like to see him get eaten at the end of the show. He makes it, doesn't he? He's like pretty roughed up, but he makes it out. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I don't think they quite do that with him, but like it would make sense of like going forward into the, the world of Buffy or whatever that looks like post the finale. Like if he just became a new watcher. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we're at seven. Doesn't seven, like seven, Xander become like the Nick Fury of the watchers or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, at seven, I have Jonathan. Okay, yeah, I've got Jonathan at six. Oh, right on. Um, at six, I've got my boy DeHoffrin. Oh, wow. Okay. Bringing it. Bringing it strong. I can't remember what he says when like, Xander tries to charge him. I just love his, like, hold him back, Slayer. <laughs> uh, number five, I've got Dawn. She, that's probably too high for her, but whatever. I also have Dawn there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... I I felt like this was a character that I liked more than the, the previous two seasons. I, I'm probably ranking her higher because I watched him, which is not a particularly good episode, but at least uh, Dawn gets to come out of her shell a little bit in it. I remember that episode being horrid. It, didn't, it wasn't that bad to me, but it wasn't okay. great either. I I feel like if I'm Michelle Trachtenberg, you know, we finish older and far away, and I, I take the producers aside, and I'm like, look, here's the deal. I love the show. This is great. Thank you so much. I am never doing a kicking and screaming tantrum on a bed ever again. <laughs> yeah. I beg of thee. Well, the, the, um, him is the one where it's Buffy and I, I think it's Buffy and Xander at the bronze and they're like watching Spike dance with some chick and they can't see who it is. And she's like totally grinding on him. And like Xander makes a comment, you know, about like how who's that hot chick. And then like she turns around and it's Dawn and it's just like, oh, God. Ooh. Jesus. Yeah. 
I feel like, you know, it's a good thing that Xander got to become the Nick Fury of the Watchers because he was heading down a path. Oh, he dates like, Don eventually, doesn't he, in the comic? Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, because he's like, it, there's hints in this season that Xander's heading down a path where, uh, uh, like he's gonna just end up on like How to Catch a Predator or something. <laughs> Why don't you have a seat, Xander? Uh, where are we at? Why did you bring all these uh, chocolates and alcohol and condoms to this teenage girl's home? Yeah, speak of the devil, I've got Xander at four. I do think at least in the episodes we watched, he comes off well and nothing stood out as especially douchey to me. Um, mm. So, yeah. Um, at four, I have Spike. You know, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, Xander even in conversations with dead people? Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I mean, that's why um, he's ranked so high. Um, the like according to the trivia, they had considered a storyline where like he uh, would be visited by Jesse. Oh wow, yeah. But it's like go bring that one, dude back. Number one, fuck that guy. But number two, I don't think people really remember who Jesse is. I don't. Does like would that affect Xander a lot? Really, it's just like, oh hey man, yeah, I guess we we're friends when I was like a sophomore. Well, it's like supposedly, I mean, they kind of retconned it to Willow, but like supposedly Jesse was Xander's best friend. Mm-hmm. Best male friend or whatever, sure, yeah. But I mean, it's like, we've completely forgotten about that character. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be so empty. Plus, no one wants to see more Eric Balfour. <laughs> no one. Who cares about Eric Balfour when they're dead? No one, that's who. By the way, you're a number four there. I just realized I do not have Spike on my list. But he would oh, be harsh. he would be lower than 10 for sure. Because I did not enjoy him in this half season. Okay. Harsh. Uh, at number three, I've got Anya. Anyanka. No, oh, so this is where we're going to differ. Number three, I have Willow. Okay. See, yeah, we definitely differ because I almost put Willow at number one. And I, at the last minute, changed her to number two. I think if she'd had a little more presence in uh, conversations, or not conversations, um, in Bring on the Night, I might have put her at number one because... Uh, just really just for the outfit. I was so tempted. I was really, I was having a conversation with my own, you know, multiple selves to be like, do I dare put Anya as number one and say, fuck it. I mean, I, I think it would be a choice you could justify. Yeah. I was, I was so fucking close. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even my, my justification, obviously so my, you know, your Willow's number two on is my number two, Buffy's our number one. My justification was that even in the scenes that I think are shit and I hate where the storyline's going, SMG brings it, baby. Yeah. Like even when she, she has to deliver like a lame speech. Yeah. She brings it. Well, just even, I think even better than the speech is that moment in the room right before where she's just having to sit there like looking just all bruised up. up yeah mm-hmm. yeah and haunted and like listening to her her shitty friends being like well we put all our eggs in buffy's basket and she shit the bed so um yeah smg just doing it all right well buffy once again number one with bullet um so i think we already know what we're doing for next week's episodes right yeah let me scroll back. so we're going to do a 7016 storyteller as seven e eighteen dirty girls, and then a seventy twenty chosen, right? Yeah, storyteller, dirty girls, chosen. Jane Espenson, Drew Goddard, and Joss Whedon. That's a pretty good end run there. I don't know if I will be able to watch them all, especially where it is next week. But um, maybe for I the best. Really, really, I remember really, really, really loving the um, 
the uh, scene with Untouched. It's, it's you mean like with Angel? My favorite. Or... No, I don't mean with Angel. Is an Angel in one of these? He's in the second. Is he's the at second. the end of the second to last okay. one, and then he shows up at the very beginning of the, of the finale. Um, no, Touched is the one where after Buffy's friends have kicked her out of her own home mm-hmm. and she's at her lowest, Spike comes and gives her a pep talk and reminds her, you know, mm. she's still the shit. Okay. Um, it's it's his best scene because he's finally finally not selfishly from what I remember selfishly asking something of her. He's just telling her, "I think you're great, and I think you need to be reminded of it." Anyway, um, so sixteen, eighteen, twenty-two. Yeah, does Graham show up at one point? Oh God, he gets the chip out. Yeah, I know he gets the chip out. Riley. Ugh. They're just like, remember this guy? It's fucking Graham he'll again. Sh- Fan favorite he'll show Graham. Up for a scene. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He'll show up for a scene. He's available. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, and then we will theoretically be back to doing this weekly. Yeah. Well, we'll I think we're going to take um, a pause on doing TV stuff. Well, I think we'll be going back to movies so we can just do kind of, you know, one us at a time. But uh yeah our, our other podcast bros watch pl2 let's just say coming soon maybe yeah. sooner than you think yeah i mean i don't know we'll talk about it at some point mm. there's been a minor technical glitch that's held up all right yeah well, hold on i want mm. suggestions from people for for sure horror movies that we can watch because i can think of a couple but like you know fun movies i want to let's, let's watch some dumb romantic comedy or something i let's, feel like uh, we can come up with plenty of our own i mean we still have to do like clueless and mean girls yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we haven't done them so far is telling. I don't know if it's that telling. We've been busy for like five months doing TV stuff. True, true, true. Okay, well, anyway, peace. Later. Bye.